Hi, I'm Jason and this is episode 50 of Rewind and Review. As always, I'm joined by my rewinding density, Rob. Great Scott! <laughs> Welcome to... <laughs> Horrible. Welcome <laughs> to Rewind and Review, the retrospective podcast where we have a look at an existing property from the past, delve yeah. into its legacy, discuss how it's held up over time, and even give our own personal experiences. Did we watch it as a kid or sometime later in our lives? Absolutely. Now, this episode of Rewind and Review will look at a trilogy of films which began 35 years ago and concluded 30 years ago. Um, with its third and final instalment coming out in May of 1990. Uh, Regarded as one of the greatest trilogies of all time and such an important set of movies for so many people growing up. So grab your hoverboard, stock up on your plutonium, and don't forget your pistol as we hit the road and rewind back to 1985. Roads. Where we're going, we don't need roads. We have to go back! Go back, Steph! What year is it? Are you telling me you built a time machine? Nineteen eighty five was the present. 1955 was the past, 2015 was the future, and 1885 was the distance past. Now, in 2020, we're going back to Back to the Future with the Back to the Future trilogy. Written and directed by Robert Zemeckis, produced by Bob Gale and Neil Canton, for Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment, the Back to the Future trilogy follows the adventures of a high school student, Marty McFly, played by Michael J. Fox, and an eccentric scientist, Dr. Emmett L. Brown, played by Christopher Lloyd, as they use a DeLorean time machine to time travel to different periods in the history of Hill Valley, California. Be warned that if you haven't seen the Back to the Future trilogy, <laughs> but you want to, who are you? <laughs> Go watch it first before listening to this episode. We will be talking spoilers. Absolutely. In Back to the Future, uh, in 1985, Marty McFly accidentally travels back in time from 1985 to 1955, where he meets his future parents and becomes his mother, Lorraine, who's played by Leah Thompson, uh, romantic interest. Doc helps Marty repair history by uniting his mother and father, George McFly, played by, in this case, uh, Crispin Glover, while evading McFly's arch-nemesis, Biff Tannen, who's played by Thomas F. Wilson. Um, and they return to 1985. In Back to the Future Part 2 from 1989, uh, Marty and Doc travel from 1985 to 2015 to prevent Marty's son from sabotaging the McFly family future. When Biff Tannen steals Doc's DeLorean time machine and uses it to alter history for his benefit, Marty and Doc must return to 1955 to restore the timeline. That's right. And then finally... Now, in Back to the Future Part 3, which was released in 1990, while stranded in 1955, Marty discovers that Doc, who's trapped in 1885, was killed by Buford Mad Dog Tannen, also played by Thomas F. Wilson, and that's Biff's great-grandfather. Marty travels to 1885 to rescue Doc and return once again to 1985, but matters are complicated when Doc falls in love with Clara Clayton, who's played by Mary Steenburgen. Oh, man. There we go. So if you can follow all that, I think, I think we spat that all out, right? <laughs> Heaps of dates. 
Absolutely. I mean, time travel movie. That's what you get. There's a there's a lot of it. But it's all, you know, it's all 30-year increments and then 100. Yeah. So it's all, you know, it's pretty straightforward, easy to remember. Look, if you've seen these movies, you know what we're talking about. You know about what's anyway. happening. Yeah, that made sense to It's you. past, future, past, past, future. <laughs> no, present. Yeah, yeah like, there you go. Past, past. Past, past. past or past. to us here in 2020... It's all past. It's all past. <laughs> so it's just all back in the past. There's no such thing as back it's to the nuts. future. But you know what? Timeless movie, I think. Absolutely. For a movie that, you know, uh, quite solidly puts dates on things. Mm. Like very concrete dates on events. Um, yes. And culture and all that kind of stuff. And fashion sense, music, you know, everything except the 2015 scenes. But <laughs> essentially dates everything. The movie's still timeless. I think so. And I think it's because they put dates on it. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not even from the 80s. But I am. I can ex- <laughs> but you weren't you weren't alive and, and you know, no, no, thriving. No, you weren't no. a Marty McFly. It was... A- <laughs> this movie came out probably while I was in, in my mum's belly. But anyway. anyway. <laughs> Whilst you were incubating. As, as yes, I was, I was in incubation. But for you, what is, what is Back to the Future? Not just the first movie, but what is the Back to the Future trilogy... It is, it is. Well, I mean, some of this is going to come up in my rating, but uh, I mean, I'm, I, I, I mean, don't it. hold back. Don't hold back. I loved it. Um, I, I watched, I've watched it plenty of times. I actually think I watched it out of sequence originally. Um, that's out of our control because it all came. You know, I think I watched it after 1990. Do you have a memory of so, like on free to air television then playing part two a lot? Yeah, two, was, so two was one. That got yeah, to, but also like, number three. So in fact. I actually, so I would have seen it out of sequence. Originally, I would have was a kid and probably didn't care. Um, you would have had no idea. Time, what was going the on. first time I watched it in sequence, I think it was probably only the first or second time I'd seen the first one, and I'd seen the others multiple times. Yeah. Um, and it was. But then suddenly, the second part of the second movie made sense to you after watching the first. Yeah, movie. yeah. yeah, there's, yeah. A lot of, there's a lot of context. I there. feel like I, w- I, I did the same thing, so that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And they are, like you said at the top, they're timeless movies. I don't. I still enjoy them as much as I did when I was a kid. And I have to admit, so I watched these one per night over the course of three nights. So I didn't watch them in like one sitting. Yeah. didn't marathon them. Although you can easily marathon these because they work so well together. But I did it and it was just, just having one day. It was just a perfect way of watching these movies. Yeah, I, I don't... The My most recent watch was the first time I think I had done them all so close to one another. And it is... Oh, it's, definitely for me too. It's, it's an experience. Like it's... Yeah. Um, you know, my life hasn't changed. Cause, I mean, I've seen them before, but it's you know, it's it's just it's fun. They're good. En- there's good energy to it. Like yeah. you just have a good time. There's always something happening. Yeah, there's it's clever. It's witty. Yeah. and yeah, there's plenty of emotion. God, I can't wait. And to that's gush our and review about this of movie. <laughs> yeah, thanks for tuning in. We'll uh, see you next time. But yeah, for me, the the Back to the Future movies um, are up there with my all time favorites. Yeah. of of movies. Um, I'm not saying that all three of them are perfect movies in any way, but just in terms of things that I love, and I'm sure a lot of people would agree, especially uh, people a little bit older than me and, and um, you know, and, and more, that, you know, this truly is really important to them, that there's something special to it. I even snuck in a... When I had my wedding, uh, we, we kind of pulled different things from things that we loved, and mm. I snuck in our entrance song was the um, Power of Love. Yeah, and that was my subtle nod to my love for Back to the Future, which yeah. was the most important love of the day. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it happened to, to to stand out a little bit. Well, that that's it. Yeah. That's so. it. But um, yeah, Back to the Future.
fantastic. Fantastic, isn't it? Uh, let's talk budget box office. We'll go through each movie one at a time just yep. to make things easier for everyone. So Back to the Future Part 1, as we're calling it. Um, budget of $19 million, and it brought in a box office of $389.1 million, which made it the highest grossing film of 1985. Not a surprise at all. Then we move on to Part 2, and that had an increased budget of... Um $40 million, which is actually shared with Part 3. We'll cover that a little bit later as well. They were um, made at the same time, back so, to back. But we could, so we could almost say, made for $20 million, really, if we... Yeah. So it's, if, it's not that clear, but, it, you know, yeah. in a way... It would have been shared nice. cost. But, yeah, so if you, okay, if you look at $20 million production budget for the, the next two, um, your return on num- Part number 2 was almost $336 million, um, and Part 3 um, was 246 so a little bit less for the third instalment, but um, still very healthy growth, you know. Yeah, like I feel. I mean, bear in mind these movies came out like four, four and five years after the first yeah. one. But I think after the success of that first movie, which you know has been described as lightning in a bottle, everything worked. It made all the money. So yeah, of course they went for it, and it is interesting that they made them together. But again, we'll get to that uh, very shortly. I think it's kind of. I don't know if it's paved the way really. But I can point to many other um, trilogies or... You I know, know you'd go straight to Lord of the Rings as an example, The Matrix. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, true. Yeah, that yeah. was two so and three made together. Two and three back together. Yeah. I'm sure there are more, but it's... Yeah, it's those big... Not Star Wars. Ooh. Interestingly. But Maybe anyway. if they did make those movies back to back, they would. <laughs> <laughs> they would make more sense. And I'm talking about new Star Wars, not old Star Wars. <laughs> and we'll leave that there. Absolutely. Um, Critically, Back to the Future Part 1 on Rotten Tomatoes, it stands at 96%. Mm-hmm. So whoever those four people are out there who don't like this movie, <laughs> um, go to hell. <laughs> um, that's based on 79 reviews. And Metacritic has it at 87 based on 26 reviews. Very good. And um, Part 2, uh, a little bit less from a, a critical point of view, looking at a Rotten Tomatoes score of 65% out of 60 reviews. Um uh, Metacritic gives that 57 out of 100 out of 17 reviews. Number three, part three, I uh, see a bit more of an increase. Um, so Rotten Tomatoes gives that an 80% from 44 reviews, and Metacritic is sitting at 55 out of 100. So I guess the critics are saying that they didn't. the second one was the least enjoyable. Yeah. Well, I find that really interesting because when I was younger, I was always like, Part two is the better movie. There's all the future stuff. It's fun. There's wacky things going on. There's a lot more special effects used. Yeah. Um, and I guess on it's a, a bit surface, darker too. I mean, yeah, that that the the middle part of that movie is is gets pretty dark. And I think that's one of the reasons where they, where I guess people might not like it as much because yeah. the first one is quite. You go from like super friendly. slapsticky to not oh, super slapsticky, but I think so. Like the oh, with Biff the boy, yeah, but... with like the the skateboard action and the yeah. manure and all that. I hate manure. Manure. Um, but yeah, I think on a surface level, that's why it was. I thought it was better because just tone of changes. It and was stuff. colorful, bright, the future, all that. But yeah, having gone back and watched them, I'm kind of leaning towards. This not not as steep, but I can see. Of course, number one is the better movie, yeah. and two does actually dip a little bit in quality. I don't know if I would rate number three as high, but I guess look, I'm not a western guy. Neither, so neither maybe... am I. Oh no, hang on, no, no, gritty west westerns I like, but um, I have to say, like they're three different movies. 
They really are. They really are. Like as much as we can say they are one, they really are three. They work so good as an ensemble, but they are. Like, and so the second one to not be as critically uh, to be not to be received well critically doesn't surprise me because the pacing's all over the shop yeah. compared to the others. However, that's got the more creative elements when you're talking about you know the different um, you know. The, just if fitting into the mold of the first one with you know re- appearances with two characters on screen and kind of complementing what happened in the first movie narratively the way that they explain it I think it works really really they well they have a lot of fun with it yeah. yeah they do have a lot of fun and that's in a way sets itself out from the other two is you got a lot more the writing was a little bit more clever I think but anyway let me let me smash through uh, some awards, awards that these yeah. movies got. So part one, um, Academy Awards, it won Best Sound Effects Editing, nominated for Best Original Screenplay, nominated uh, The Power of Love as the Best Original Song, uh, nominated Best Sound Mixing. Um, it won mm-hmm. the Best Dramatic Presentation Hugo Award. It won the Best Science Fiction Film uh, Saturn Award yep. and Golden Globes, which we never like to talk about, nominated <laughs> for Best Motion Picture Musical Comedy, nominated Original Song, nominated Best Actor in a Motion picture musical comedy uh, for Michael J. Fox and nominated best screenplay that's great uh, number two part two wasn't um, wasn't nominated for as many and that's fine um, but Saturn Award at one for best special effects that's not a surprise BAFTA best special effects and Academy Awards was nominated for best visual effects as well I don't know what it, it lost to but um, it's not a surprise um, and then back to the future part three uh, even more so not as many awards there but um Saturn Award one best music and one best supporting actor for Thomas F. Wilson you can definitely see the shift in I mean we already said it's like mm. number two has that increase of, yeah. of special effects and that's yes the reward the awards not the rewards the awards <laughs> reflect that yeah as well um, so let's break down the franchise that we've got here. Yeah. Um, so obviously we've got our trilogy. We've got Back to the Future, which came out in 1985. Part 2 came out in 89, yep. and Part 3 in 1990. So I think they were only like six months apart or something. Like, that's just a guess. They six were, months for the yeah for those for, for part two, two and three. And three. Yeah. 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 Um, there was Back to the Future, the animated series, which ran from 1991 to 1992. Um, obviously, an animated television series lasted only two seasons, 13 episodes each. I haven't seen that. In fact, I didn't even know that existed before researching and looking into this. So let me let me go buy the DVD online it's on amazon it's okay. not available in our region but i will get because australia may will be on the moon apparently pretty much i will yeah. i'll get a copy and i will lend it to you because yeah, <laughs> i want to watch it yeah um i remember I'm, I'm the odd episode um there was a comic book series in 1992 which was published by harvey comics um but only seven issues were produced and also uh there was back to the future the ride um which is a motion simulation um simulation ride at universal studios California, Universal City, Orlando, Florida, and Osaka. And apparently they're all closed now. Yeah, all the American ones got replaced by the Simpsons ride. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I, I don't know, I just find that funny. I mean, you, you don't care, really, do you? I don't, I don't know. Two, two favourites. I yours. never got to see... I never got to experience the ride, but I'm yeah. sure you can probably watch it on YouTube. Like the. I wonder, I mean, there's a Universal Studios over in the Gold Coast too, isn't there? I think there is. Yeah, maybe. I wonder if it ever featured in... No, probably not. I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't in my notes, so... <laughs> Um, and on top of the ride, you've also got Back to the Future, The Game, um, which was released in 2010. Um, now, to date, there have been 
27 Back to the Future games on 15 different gaming platforms. I have not played a single one of them. Back to the Future, the game is an episodic graphic adventure which was published by Telltale Games. Um, and Bob Gale said that this is the closest thing to what a fourth film could be like. That's a big call, actually. Well, have you so, played You haven't I'm, played it? No, you, you, played none you're of familiar them. with Telltale Games, though. They did that Jurassic Park game. Yeah, the, so, so you, they're a narrative game, an interactive yeah, game. So, yeah, so oh, you, you still kind of run around and do a few things, but yeah. it's very much like there's a story to it. It's scripted, there's performances, and it kind of shows a story. And it is, it does play like a potential fourth movie. It's, yeah. it's set after the third movie, and there's things kind of just going on. Now, the rights to the film um, and the sequels, uh, they're owned by Robert Zemeckis and um, Robert Gale. In 2015, Zemeckis, he maintained that no reboot or... Re- so I can rest, ass- rest assured, everybody, take a breath. No reboot or remake of the franchise would be authorised during his or Gale's lifetime. <laughs> In 2015, he ruled it out and just said it's not going to get rebooted. And where do, you, where do you stand on No, that? I'm happy with that. Me too. I don't mind if they do it in another 20 years, whatever, so be it. But this has still got I'm a always, life. It's still terms, relevant. In terms of, like, I mean, I, I always take the, the more mature ground where it's like, if they're going to remake or reboot something, whatever. Like, it doesn't affect the original. If anything, it increases interest. Whatever. Who cares? It doesn't yeah. matter. But at the same time, the little fan of me goes, don't touch it. Like, just, yeah. <laughs> don't, well, just, gonna say, like, just leave it alone. It's this fine. Is, this, is, this, is, this is Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd movie. It, it's not the same in any form without them um, and we've moved you know 30 years later you know health wise things like that we might talk about that a little bit later it's not the same like we can't we can't reuse those characters again yeah. and it wouldn't be the same without them because it isn't about the time travel it's about them like connecting and them and Michael J. Fox like um, Marty learning and the, ju- the journey they go yeah, on together yeah that's true so and even if they, if they even if they made new characters and was like you know, someone came across the plans for the DeLorean yeah. or the time travel time machine thing, yeah. And you know, someone someone else went on the some adventure, and it was mm. you know they were trying to capture the same sort of tone and the feel of the movies. It would just feel like a copy, yeah. And like yeah, and that would. So this is not the right time, and so I'm glad that happened. There was another comic book series run, uh, which was in 2015 uh, from IDW, um, various different kind of stories Um, untold tales and alternate timelines so this sort of shows offshoot timelines that you know they left in their destruction (laughs) Um, Citizen Brown which adapts the Telltale video game Um, Biff to the Future which I believe was about Biff with the almanac placing his bets and his rise to power Uh, which is all we all obviously wanted to know what happened there. Um, and there's all. Tales from the Time Train, which is all about Doc it's and his family stuff, yeah. going on their adventures. So oh, Good on them. Um, yeah, no, that's, I don't think I'm going to get around to those ones, but that's, <laughs> it's all right. Um, there was also a, a direct-to-video short film called Doc Brown Saves the World, in, released in 2015. Uh, it was directed by um, Robert Zemeckis and starred Christopher Lloyd, I don't know when it was made, but that's when it was released and it was in line with the Back to the Future trilogy. I believe it was made 30th anniversary. in 2015. Or, oh, wow. If not 2014, like it was made. It's, and he's, you know... Isn't he, that incredible? Have you seen that? Yeah, well, it, it's on the Blu-ray and DVD set. <laughs> I don't have the Blu-ray and DVD So what, what he does is he goes through... Apparently, they try to explain why the future to... The, or like the, the present 2015 is not like the future oh, 2015 right. that they had experienced. 
and they said it was because they had messed with the timeline and things changed so the future that we ended up experiencing was very different and they go through a bunch of different um uh, i want to say future product present day products and things and inventions and stuff that that's pretty cool yeah no it's, it's a fun little watch it's only like a few minutes long but it's it's fun and it's good to see christopher lloyd um, as old as he is, he's still just doing the role and just yeah. getting it done. So that's really cool. Um, also in 2015, there was a documentary made called Back in Time. So this was a Kickstarter project um, which featured interviews with the members of the cast and crew along with the cultural... Uh, well, I went through the cultural impact of the trilogy 30 years later. So kind of what we're trying to do now, but they did it really a lot better. So if you want to know more about the cultural <laughs> impact, um, check out that documentary. It is a really cool doco. Maybe we should do a Kickstarter and maybe the production quality of our <laughs> podcast would go up. <laughs> maybe. Maybe we can include video. Never. You don't want that? Never, ever. All right, we'll put it. Um, there's also a Back to the Future musical. Great. Like a stage thing which well uh, you've got 2020 so is that something that's in production no it uh, started this year but with coronavirus COVID-19 um obviously there's no short run is to yeah it'll be back it'll be back yeah okay <laughs> uh let's talk a little bit of the cultural impact and I thought this was really interesting and, yeah. and something I didn't never really considered but upon research skateboarding Yes. This movie involves, obviously, scenes of Marty McFly skateboarding, and this took place during the infancy of the skateboarding subculture, obviously being born in the 90s. I'm like, what is this? Um, Were you ever a skater, Jace? uh, No, because I'm afraid to hurt myself. (laughs) Um, So, you know, you've got the skateboarding subculture, numerous skateboarders, as well as companies in the industry. They basically have paid tribute to the film for its influence in this regard. So apparently, this or the first movie... Really opened everyone's eyes. Launched, you know, the craze of skateboarding and made, I guess, a little bit more mainstream. Well, I mean, I've, I've, I've heard of things along those lines. Like, have you seen Lords of Dogtown and all of that kind of stuff? About like, oh, years ago. Years ago, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of more paints skateboarding and that, you know, from back in like the 70s and earlier, as more underground and like very antisocial stuff and people. It's not wasn't really a fad, it but I guess that's, more, that's how it was. That's how it was. And then this, I can see this turning it into more of a public. Like the zeitgeist were opening their eyes and going, yeah. oh, this is fun. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Yeah, although Just... you'll never get a, uh, a hoverboard ever. Sorry about that. Um, so there's also, and this is interesting, as a Back to the Future Day, which is October 21st, uh, 2015, that was the day that, uh, that the apparently day. everyone was going to... We are waiting for Marty McFly to arrive. Well, apparently, <laughs> people, apparently people did that. That date was used to setting for... Um, as the future events for, going back, um, for Back to the Future number two, um, which you'd be aware of. Ultimately, the um, the day was used as a big marketing campaign for us, lots of different products and yeah. lots of different things. And why things. not? We all had fun. Some more than others. Some more than others. So what are we got? Some of some of the products and things that are out and about. What do you got? Uh, Universal Pictures created a trailer for Jaws nineteen, yeah. which is the fictional three D film which is advertised in uh, in Back to the Future Part two. Have you seen that? Uh, yeah, I have seen. That I watched all the. I watched all these ads and commercials in, in 2015 when oh, they when all came out. So I didn't but. revisit them, but I watched them. They were fine. Okay. <laughs> um, Universal and Mattel produced an advertisement for the hoverboard. <laughs> I'm still waiting, you pricks. <laughs> Pepsi uh, produced a limited run of Pepsi Perfect soft drink, um, which included unique bottles, um, which was was all sold out before October 21st. 
2015. That's yeah, unfortunate. All the some some pricks just bought them all up. I reckon. Some people got money. Got it done. Some people got money. Uh, and the Ford Motor Company allowed users um, configuring a Ford Focus on their website to add a flux a flux capacitor as a 1.2 million dollar option. I don't know if anyone would do that, but that's okay. <laughs> Uh, if you've got it. Um, Nintendo released the game Wild Gunman, which <laughs> Marty is seeing played in the, playing in the Cafe 80 scene on the Wii U's virtual console server. I completely missed that on the Wii U. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of hoping it's still there. I don't even know if the virtual console is still running for the Wii U, but yeah, I kind of want to track that down. <laughs> on October 22nd, so uh, of 2015, uh, which is the day after, the edition of US Today used mock front page... <laughs> That's great, by the way, and which was a recreation of the one seen in the film on that date. Is that just not cool? I love it. That is no, so cool. So, so cool. Um, Nike revealed that they had recreated the Nike mag shoes that Michael J. Fox wears in the film, complete with self-lacing power laces. It's incredible. Um, I don't know if they actually did, but they revealed it. <laughs> um, Toyota and Universal Pictures celebrated the 30th anniversary of the film series with a Toyota... Tacoma concept that was inspired by the original 1985 pickup that Toyota created for the 1985 film. So yeah, lots of just marketing and making... Lots of stuff. Just lots of fun. And that's also the day that Telltale Games re-released um, the Back to the Future, the game. So that was five years after the release yep. date. And of course we got Universal oh, yeah, re- re-release of the three films on DVD and uh, Blu-ray, Blu-ray. Yeah. which um, I already had on DVD, but yes, I was a sucker and bought the Blu-ray. <laughs> and just to reiterate, uh, that all happened on October 21st, 2015. <laughs> Mate, what a day. What a day. <laughs> what a day. But I remember the countdown to it. It was really exciting. It was, we all had fun. I just remember all the memes everyone just going oh where's my hoverboard it's meant to be here right now. where's yeah. my flying car I'm still waiting still waiting <laughs> anyway let's talk Ready Player One have you heard of that yeah have you seen, I've seen that the, not the book the movie Say the movie. Oh, that's good enough. Me too. Uh, the 2011 novel by Ernest Klein, along with its uh, 2018 film adaption, uh, features the protagonist driving around in a DeLorean time machine. It does indeed. I watched that on a plane, actually. Oh, watching that being chased by a T-Rex. Was that not... It was pretty good movie. Like, I mean, yeah, it was just... Oh, the nostalgia. It was just full of pop culture crap, the but yeah, what a... Nostalgia killer. Fun me. ride. Um, Rick and Morty do you watch that show I do not it took me a while to get into it but the only thing I've seen is Pickle Rick Pickle Rick I've got to tell you I like it I really like it oh, I'm going to have to get into it um, so basically as you could see it's not based on but it's it's influenced by the dynamic between Doc and Marty and that kind of thing yeah so. your two lead characters are pretty much based yeah. on that's it Doc and Marty but a little bit a little bit sour. Um, <laughs> Stranger Things, they had a bit of fun with Back to the Future. The third season pays homage to Back to the Future throughout, um, including multiple scenes where some of the characters go to a showing of the film. I enjoyed that. You know what's... Re- just I watched that, and I don't remember it for some reason. <laughs> really? Yeah, I was reading your notes, and I don't remember it. I was like, when? I, I know that they go to a cinema, but I can't remember them watching that. Yeah, no, and they just kept playing the Alan Silvestri score. Like, every time someone would walk into the theatre, you know, like the kids are running <laughs> around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh, it's beautiful. And also, I just threw this in here. I didn't know about it until I did this research, and I went and looked it up, and <laughs> you know what? I'm into it. Um, Pinguini Natiki uh, Nucleari. Tatichi. I don't know, man. It's an Italian name. I hope I, I butchered that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but his song, Ringo Starr, right? So the 2020 music video of the song um, by this Italian indie pop band 
Oh, it's a band. <laughs> it's not one guy. I don't know. Um, he's very much up front, this dude. But anyway, yeah. Basically, yeah, it seemed like one guy. Um, basically, it's a resembling reenactment of the un, uh, the Enchantment Under the Sea prom ball scene where Marty plays Johnny Be Good. Um, it's completely in Italian, so I, you know I don't understand what's happening. But you, you can oh, actually you can tell what's happening. Yeah, and tell you what, we watched it just before recording, and it's full. It's fun. It's good stuff. It's pretty catchy. They do it, and they do they do a good job too. <laughs> they do they do an all right job. For a, you know maybe the first Italian song I've ever heard ever. <laughs> um, into it. I think I Pretty like cool. Italian music. Right. Lastly, lastly, lastly time travel legacy. Let's talk about so, that. So you know when you these days when people talk time travel, they always refer to you know what rules are we going by, and one that I always mean, comes up is do we, yeah, do we go by Back to the Future rules, yeah. which is you can change, you can change the present, the the future, or whatnot mm. by going into the past and altering something, basically chaos effect type mm-hmm. thing but not to the level that <laughs> probably chaos effect um, <laughs> kind of works but with this time travel for the most part this is the kind of time travel rules I have in my mind of how it would work if we could do it where do you stand with it I no. love asking people this question no I agree. I, I agree especially the way that Doc explains it when he's drawing it yes um, and he says no from that point there's a new timeline uh, so everything beyond that it's it's not the same, and you actually have to go back to that point and revert what you did to. Yeah, that basic concept completely. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm all for it. However, this movie breaks that rule. Well, these movies they break that rule themselves. Yeah, they do a few times. Um, not intentionally, I think. Just... But in theory, when like say the first movie, Marty is in 1955, and you know he's got that picture, and you know you know he starts to fade when it's like he's he's failing and he's not he's not getting his parents back together mm. or not back together, getting his parents together, mm. um, and he starts to fade. You know, he, I guess the science of the movie should really state that it's he's already saved the day and got them together. So really, there was no risk. But I guess that's there's no fun. There is no fun or, yeah. or tension, or but also in the second movie when Biff steals the DeLorean, well, goes he... back to 1955, yeah. changes the past, mm. then travels to the future. He really should have gone to the return to the future of the new timeline that he had just created. It is true. But he returns to, and that's and then you see him almost like fade away. Well, not fade away, but he like struggles, and the idea is, and actually they they filmed. A little bit of extra that it's not there. It's not yeah, and he fades. And he fades. Yeah, um, because he's deleted his own timeline. But it should have been instantaneous. Based exactly. On Doc Ock. Doc Ock. <laughs> Doc Ock. <laughs> Where'd that come from? No. Suddenly, Alfred Molina's running around <laughs> like, "I'm going to get you, Mike." Um, but yeah, so it doesn't necessarily. The logic doesn't always pan out. But I do. If, if I'm looking at, if I'm subscribing to time travel, it's generally that model. Yeah. The just with instantaneous. This or the or the lost rules where everything always happened. No, I, I'm kind of, yeah. I have fun with that one too because I'm just like, mm. <laughs> although I do like that. But no, that, I, this will this will be more what I'm looking this at. Is more and the fun. Avengers one, I definitely don't necessarily agree with. I still have trouble with the Avengers one because so. I don't even think they know what their rules were. No, because getting, <laughs> getting it through, got to make the cash. <laughs> I um, can't really follow the movie. Time travel is all fine. All right, man. All right, let's, let's, let's talk movie. Let's talk, uh, what do we got first up? Let's talk where this all sort of began. Bob Gale, he conceived the story after visiting his parents and finding his father's high school yearbook, mm. discovering that he was president of his graduating class. Gale wondered whether he would have been friends with his father if they had gone to school together. Isn't that an interesting thought? Hey. Yeah, it's like... To put yourself there and go, well, hang on, I maybe didn't get along with my class. 
president mm. or whoever. Like, but it's like that's your dad. That's my dad. Yeah, isn't that interesting? So when uh, Bob Gale told uh, Robert Zemeckis about that, Zemeckis thought of an, um, a mother claiming she'd never kissed a boy a boy in school when in fact she'd been promiscuous. So, which is pretty much how they portray Lorraine. Yeah, in in this as well. Which actually, I remember when I watched it this time, it surprised me because. For some reason, I wasn't expecting it. I don't know why. Even what? though I'd seen it a, a couple of different times. What the uh, the, the promis- promiscuity that she? Oh, had. okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. She's just well, she's C- cigarettes. Like the she's whole, crazy. She's loose. She's loose. But the the first movie is really good in that craft, in, in that it, it sets up so much. I mean, it's pretty. It's on the nose. Like literally, every scene is a setup for explaining something in the past that Marty will go and experience and witness yeah. firsthand, and it'll play into his story. And busy week. For, the, for, for, for that, that family, that group of people, yeah. <laughs> I think, busy week. <laughs> so it's just good that they all they all told him the information beforehand, which was good. Yeah. Um, the year 1955, yes. um, the reason they chose that, obviously being set in, like, you know, being released and set in present day 1985, um, the idea they were like, well, arithmetically, it fits for the story. They want Marty to go back, be the same age as his parents. Yeah. So about 30 years is how to get that done. Um, it yeah. was also conveniently the rise of teenagers as an important cultural element, mm. the birth of rock and roll, which you've got Marty, you know, with his yeah. Johnny Be Good moment again. And he's like, what does he say at the end of that? He's like, oh, I guess you weren't ready for that. Your kids are going to love it, though. <laughs> kids are going to love it. Um, but also the suburban expansion. So I guess at that time, in that 30-year period, mm. there was a lot of change, rapid change happening within yeah. like those kind of well, suburban and that, communities. And that's portrayed like when he goes back to Lion Estates or whatever it is. It's farmland. It's, it's farmland. It hasn't been developed yet. You've just got a big long road. And so it plays into that a little bit more. And I mean, we're familiar with that even in modern times, you know, like... Did you know this? expansion still ongoing, really. That's it. Oh, yeah. Well, I think we're mean, living in we're that We're living now. in that, yeah. If, if my future kid comes back to 30 years, he'll be like... You know, the top of Perth here, like, there's nothing. Yeah. Pretty much nothing. Not well, there isn't nothing. But, like, you know, there, there's going to be way more. There'll be a shopping centre where, like, you know, a bush is at the moment. Yeah. Um, but did you before there was nothing. Did yes. you notice, um, it's almost like a, it's a, it's almost like a visual gag, blink and you'll miss it, but at the start of the movie, Twin Pine Mall, mm. and then Marty goes back and he drives into one of the pine trees. Yeah, that's and right. Only, and then, yeah. so then when he goes back to the future, hey, um, yeah. it's Lone Pine Mall. Yeah. yeah. I did notice that oh, as well. So, I could blow your mind there, but yeah. that's fine. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, saw, I, saw, I saw that one. In fact, actually, yeah, that was, well. that was uh, the wife pointed that one out to me when we were watching it. Ah, so she's so like, smart. did you get the little... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Little uh, things. Little things. And the DeLorean itself as a time machine. Now, in an early script, it was going to be a refrigerator, which is interesting. Um, but it was chosen, and, and I saw this written in a couple of places, actually. It was chosen um, due to its design because of the gag making it look like an alien yeah. spaceship. It fits. The design of it fits with the you know the wing... What do they call them? Gull, I think uh, gull, gull doors or whatever. Is that like when they go up? Yeah. Like a yeah. bird? So that kind of concept, it makes it look more yeah. alien or space. It's, it's cool. I mean, the DeLorean does look like... Yeah, it's very futuristic almost. It is have like a that kind of spacey kind of feel. Mm. It's 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 interesting that, that... I think the makers of the car like actually went 
bankrupt. Like they disappeared because hmm. the cars didn't sell. And you well, know, they were faulty. They were saying on, like, on they were set. faulty. Yeah, no, oh, on, on, on set, like the hydraulics of the gull doors would always fail, and the, t- the crew had to keep on heating them up <laughs> to keep them standing. But also, there's a few gags when Michael J. Fox keeps on hitting his head on the yeah. door, and that's because the door kept on falling down, and so they just made so a joke funny. out of it. Interesting little bit of trivia that I've got here. Now, following the movies, the first movie's release, um, there were body kits that you could buy that would turn your DeLorean with, like, you know, all the stuff on the back of it? Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it could, you could create a time machine. Yeah. So And that's that's outside heaps of the um, I mean, people, the heaps of people have, have done that. I mean, yeah. if I could get my hands on a DeLorean, I'd buy one. Yeah. That, um, that and my 1993, like, Jeep. Oh, my gosh. That, and also, you, you know what? I wouldn't mind some of the vehicles from Lost World. But anyway. Just, just <laughs> and a Batmobile and, like, the Ghostbusters car. And yeah, Flintstones car. Yeah. Kit from Knight Rider. <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't have enough money or time. That's all right. Uh, but definitely, I don't know if I convert it to, like, a time machine-looking thing, but I have sat in, a, you know, like, we've got fans here in Perth, mm-hmm. and um, one of the cons that I went to, there was a... Uh, we're actually met. I can't believe I didn't say this. So, yeah, me and the wife, we met um, both Thomas F. Wilson and Christopher Lloyd at Supernova here in Perth. And yeah, we got to sit in a DeLorean and we took a photo with the two guys. And Blimey. Thomas F. Wilson is the complete opposite to everything you see. Oh, His character being in this in this movie. He's, he's the a, nicest, friendliest he's guy. He's a chameleon in this anyway. He plays so many different characters. Yeah. Personalities. Yeah. Um, We're jumping ahead. We're jumping ahead. Um, Bob Gale and Zemeckis, they had a, a hard time landing a studio to pick up this movie. Um, I, they kind of put it down to the 80s teen comedies of the time. Oh, yeah. uh, Columbia Pictures rejected the screenplay because it wasn't sexual enough. Not enough filth, mate. Even though there's incest- ancestral people chasing, activities. yeah. Well, only later. <laughs> oh no, it's still in the first one too. Yeah. Oh, it's all it's all there. Yeah. Um, every major studio rejected the script for near for the next four years. So I guess this was like early '80s. They were yeah, like sending it around. Yeah. Uh, while it went through two movie drafts, Disney rejected the film as they felt the story of a mother falling in love with her son was not appropriate yeah. for a family film under the Disney name. I can, I can see that. So not sexy, not filthy enough. Imagine the uh, awkwardness of a kid asking awkward. his mum what that meant, what was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway, continue. It's weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> agreeing to produce Back to the Future, um, Steven Spielberg set the project up at his production company, Amblin Entertainment. Yep. Um, Universal Pictures actually traded the license for um, a film called Double Indemnity mm. in exchange for the rights to Back to the Future. So it took it out of Columbia Pictures' hands. Yeah, right. It's interesting, though, because in the yeah. opening credits, you you see the Universal logo, but you don't see the Amblin. Amb- yeah, oh, you well, see it at the end? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Like it wasn't it wasn't heavy front. But, I mean, the first name you see on screen is Steven Spielberg Presents. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, on all bloody three of them. He's there. It's there. Well, speaking of speaking of the Universal stuff, how cool is the th- part the third three? One, yeah, yeah. It's so cool. I don't remember that at all. No, no, no. I was like, that's neat. Like, yeah, it's so clever. So oh, so cool. clever. It was like hundred year anniversary or something. Yeah, our seventy fifth, you know, seventy fifth anniversary yeah, of Universal. Right. Whatever it was, with a biplane that flies around. Oh gosh, that's good. Um, executive uh, producer Sidney Scheinberg suggested um, some final changes. Wanted to change Marty's mother's name from Meg to Lorraine, okay. which happened. Uh, he wanted to change Professor Brown to Doc Brown. Oh, gosh, that I'm glad happened. that happened. And wanted to change Doc's pet chimpanzee 
uh, to a dog. Also glad that happened. That's also a, a one. Yeah. So this guy would be happy with as well. Uh, on a on a good run. On a good run. Yeah. Um, he also wanted to change the title to Spaceman from Pluto. Oh God. Um, his argument being, <laughs> no successful film had ever had future in the title. Oh gosh. So what they did, I think Spielberg was the one who suggested that. I think it was either Zemeckis or Gale send a send a memo to um, Scheinberg saying that. Like, that's a great joke. Like, <laughs> like oh, thank you so much for brightening my day. Yeah, like, that. what an amazing joke. And they yeah. figured they would embarrass him so much that he just wouldn't respond. Yeah, solid. And, solid and the, I think the idea was I that, do. like... I mean, I do passive-aggressive things in the yeah. office all the time. So, but, but I think the idea was Marty, you know, when he when he's talking to George as, yeah. as Darth Vader. Um, yeah. But he, he would say that he was an alien from Pluto. And that's where the title would come into play. Oh, right. Um, so part two and part three um, following success success of Back to the Future the second and third films were produced back to back which we kind of covered um, before yeah but and you like can... you said that might have even been a bit pioneering in, in that sense but I'm not sure on that one mm. so. but you can really tell like yeah well story wise um, I mean the first movie is I mean we've said it before mm. these three movies work as one they also Absolutely. work as three individuals if mm. you take them like that and you know what had come before, so you understood yeah. what was happening. But the first movie really stands on on its own. It has a start, a middle, and an end, yep. with a, almost like a tag tease cliffhanger type thing at the end, which is fine. Yep. If they had left it, mm. all good. You really don't need to know. You can use your imagination. Yeah. But with the second and third movie, in the second movie in particular, they set up so much stuff for the third movie. Suddenly, yeah. Doc's talking about going back to the old west. Yeah. You see things about Biff's. Um, Great grandfather or whatever he is, yeah. um, Easter eggs all over the. Doc shop. is wearing a train, a shirt with trains on it, which I yeah. only realised this most recent viewing. There's mm. heaps of stuff. All the stuff with Marty being called chicken and being like that trigger word, yeah, and setting up that storyline with like here. Got actually... to admit, I didn't like that. But anyway, yeah, yeah, it did. I mean, it doesn't grate me that much, but it's like, oh, you're such a power, like you're a strong yeah. character already. It you works. don't need that weakness. Yeah. You don't need. That. But it works with like. I don't know. I think with the second movie, you know, like when, um, like how the first movie ended, and you've got the second one starting with like there's a problem with your kids, mm. and it's like the idea: why do we need to travel to the future to change the future? Yeah, can't you just tell Marty what's going on? And then I realised I was like, it's actually it's about Doc telling Marty or teaching him a lesson yeah. about he needs to change something because yeah. he can't just tell him that, you know don't be a dickhead and, yeah, and don't drag race. Yeah, he's got to actually learn it himself. Yeah, like that, that was the real reason he picked him up. Because I was like, for the longest time, for many years, I was like, why do they need to go to the future? And I figured it was just to go to the future and have fun. Yeah. But no, there's more to it. There, there is more, more to it. it. In, um, to, to add to that as well, Zemeckis intentionally um, wanted number th- part two to roll into number three for the viewer as well. And so you would have probably seen it, but this this was a thing even even back then. The trailer for the yeah the trailer for the third movie plays at the end of the second, and Zemeckis wanted to do that because he didn't want the audience to feel like there was going to be a disconnect before the next one. He wanted them to feel it was connected, it was coming, and yeah, and six months later they released the second one, mm. the third I, one. Sorry, I yeah. hate I hate that that plays at the end of the yeah. So do I? Gives away a couple of things. No, it did so much. Yeah. It actually shows Marty again back in and what year is his present? Nineteen eighty five. It, yeah. It's ridiculous. I'm like, oh it shows it, also it shows, shows him that, kissing. Uh, what's her name with like a keys cowboy outfit and you so yeah. you know that's oh it's ridiculous it also you, <laughs> you see the clock photo you see so much stuff yeah and within the first 30 seconds of 
the new of the that movie you see the clock photo ripped in half it or something like that and you're like oh well obviously he's gonna be like, you know. oh no you see it without him and you're like obviously he's going back yeah anyway that's fine though Zemeckis made the choice uh, Michael J. Fox was the first choice to play Marty McFly uh, but he was committed to the show Family Ties yep. good show good show um, yeah it is real real dramatic stuff sometimes they they push the boundaries I like it <laughs> Zemeckis <laughs> next two choices were C. Thomas Howell and Eric Stoltz um, John Cusack and Johnny Depp were also considered um, but the role went to Eric Stoltz because they couldn't secure um, Michael J. Fox. Yeah. So, the principal photography began in November 1984, uh, but a few weeks into filming, so bear in mind, like, they had shot scenes. Like, yeah. they had shot George and Marty in the diner, mm. Doc and Marty at the in the car park, doing all that, God knows what else. Yeah. Um, Zemeckis determined that Stoltz had been miscast. So Zemeckis believed that Stoltz was not comedic enough, although he has said that he was doing a a terrific... I was going to say terrific. Um, He was doing a terrific dramatic performance. So he's saying his acting abilities were amazing. He was an amazing actor, but... he's not funny. There was something that wasn't in line with what they were doing. Um, And also, I guess, Stoltz was uncomfortable riding a skateboard as well. (laughs) Uh, But Eric Stoltz himself has confessed that he believed he was wrong for the role. Recasting and reshooting the film would add $3 million to the $14 million budget. That's huge. But they did it. Oh, gosh. They said to him, sorry, mate. Get off the backlog. I mean, mean, he's he's looking at it retrospectively as well. Uh, You know, in some of these interviews going, yeah, no, no, right call, right call, right call. I wasn't right for that. It's a shame it, they had to get to that point though and be a couple of weeks into filming yeah. before it was like someone drew the line and was like, this isn't working, Apparently, guys. Apparently, though, and I've checked it and it, it seems to work click because I've seen what Eric Stoltz looks like. I've seen some of the footage that he's been in. There is one shot where Eric Stoltz is in the movie or his fist is. Is, is that the diner? In yeah. the diner where where Michael J. Fox, as Marty, swings and swings to punch Biff mm. and then it cuts to Biff's a close-up shot, yeah. and you see a glimmer of the side of um, Stoltz's face and his fist. Yeah, right. And that's the one shot that Eric Stoltz is Stoltz in. Stoltz actually looks a little bit like Michael J. Fox. He's just not as short. <laughs> I think he looks more like uh, Crispin Glover, yeah, which yeah. <laughs> kind of it's worked true. out. Crispin Glover looks but it's still right. But anyway, a deal was made um, which allowed Michael J. Fox to work on both projects, uh, family Ties and Back to the Future but yeah. he had to in, in the deal he had to prioritise Family Ties if a conflict did arise yeah. so if it was like scheduling blah 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 but he was doing like he was working Family Ties and then coming in yeah. doing evening shoots yeah. and stuff with these guys like I mean that's good though because a lot of the movie was in the evening so probably worked out alright even well, though it's all on sound stages usually but yeah well that's it it's like he was doing like I don't know like 18 hour days or something and then like having like micro naps in between and mm. he's getting it done but, but I think you know worth it and we all got the reward yeah. for it but I guess yep. yeah I guess on that we'll get into the characters then uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and do that we'll be right back <laughs> Hi, I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. And we are the guys from Nut Film Stew. Do you like movie reviews and want to keep up to date with the latest in movie and TV news? Then Nut Film Stew is the podcast for you. Join us every two weeks for some good times, laughs and firm opinions on the things we love. That's right. There's a new podcast released every two weeks on iTunes and SoundCloud. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as That Film Stew Podcast. That Film Stew Podcast. Listen, comment, follow, share. 
Michael J. Fox. Yeah. Who's that um, guy? Well, he plays he plays multiple characters. We've got him obviously as <laughs> Martin Marty McFly. Indeed. Um, he appears in number one. <laughs> he appears in part one, part two, part three. Of course, he's the hero of the piece. Yes. Um, we do essentially have two versions of his characters, though, so I guess mm-hmm. we should address both. Um, the main the main one being 1985 Marty. Yeah. So, uh, fun kid, good energy, comedic. <laughs> Doesn't like being called chicken. <laughs> he, he is funny again. Not bit. established until the second movie, but yeah, still, still counts. He's kind of honourable as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like he stands up to Biff immediately. Yeah, like you know, like and he's he doesn't take any crap. He can tell that there's a, there's a there's a you can tell that he's you know with his dad the way he is and everything like that. Like there's a he's above the curve for the rest of his family yeah basically it's almost like he's like the best character like the best individual character amongst all the characters in this like all of so. his family you know like and again it's sort of like you mentioned earlier like it's not until the second one where they give him a fault yeah which is something he needs to learn and uh, sort of deal with I mean another fault being that you know he does he does buy the almanac and, and you know try and make a little bit of money. So he, you know he's I just got, put it down to ni- like naivety. Yeah, he's young like, and it's an idea, and he's like, why not? You know, and he, he, he sound there's sound knowledge there, you know, sound logic, I could say, hmm. um, where it's like, why can't we just make a quick buck on the side? You know, yeah. so, so there are flaws to his. Yeah. there's flaws to his um, personality. He's a human. I mean, he we immediately in number two we identify with that decision to go. Ah, oh, the almanac. Yeah, like I would do. I that. would do. I would do that. I just want to get ahead, you know. Yeah. So, but then in the, in the third one, you know, like resolving all that um, that chicken stuff, and I just love the moment where he's just like, he's an asshole. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, why should I just go out there? And like, yeah, just because he called me chicken. It's like, is he learning or is he just being logical here? Where it's like, you know, yeah, of course. I'd like to think he's learned. I'd like <laughs> to think he's improved and grown as a character. So but you don't know for sure until the very end. Until the very end. Until, until the, the very end. No, but he, he's a great character, and I think in in the first movie in particular, like he really doesn't have that many flaws. Like, no. I mean, he he's thrown into the situation almost by accident. It's mm-hmm. um, you know, so he's he's trying to navigate that, and all the mistakes that he makes are just because he doesn't realize what what he should and shouldn't be doing you know like yeah. interacting you know he's chasing his dad down because he just he needs some sort of he needs to work out what's going on so he yeah. you know that's a familiar face mm. maybe his dad can help him but he doesn't realise what that would actually cause yeah. so it's not his fault no and yeah he doesn't really have much going on in terms of you know negative stuff to him like he <laughs> is you know like his dad has flaws his mum's especially you know in the original 1985 timeline yeah. um, they've all got flaws Everyone's got flaws. Um, everyone, pretty much. Well, they're all... I mean, they're caricatures of, like... They're extreme versions of people, but they're... They, they're you know, not They're all relatable. They're, they're all relatable yeah. in a way, you know? Like, just, you know, he's got a brother who's a criminal. Cool. He's got a dad who's a bit of a loser. Okay? <laughs> like, you know, that kind of stuff. It's... Um, and another brother who just doesn't... Well, what does his other brother do? He goes to the office or something. No, he's no. He, so his brother, his brother works at the like a uh, fast food, fast food kind That's of right. he's, yeah. It's his uncle that his uncle in is in the prison. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lorraine's and his brother. sister's yeah. just I guess partying, going out and stuff. Yeah, right. seeing like four different guys at the same time, which is, which is all <sighs> takes happened. after mum. Yeah, <laughs> takes <laughs> after. Whoa. <laughs> 
Um, so we get a future. We had a glimpse of the of Marty how he's going to turn out. Yeah. At least um, how things are going to unfold, and that's where we really see his flaws taking him down a, a dark path. And again, yeah. all that setup of him, you know, being a chicken and yeah. or being called chicken and that triggering him and spying. We don't know the details of it, but something he does. Um, all leads to to yeah where he is. Mm. And he gets fired, and he's you know he's not you know he still he still gets with uh, with Jennifer. He still marries her, and they have yeah. kids, and yeah. it's all there. But yeah, he's not a. That's what we see the flaw. So we we have a moment where we're like that needs to be fixed. That yeah. needs to be changed. Yeah, he's and like I said, that's was I reckon that was Doc's whole plan the whole time. Was for him to witness that and then grow. Well, not that. witness well, it, not but, witness it but, but somehow learn something along the way. Yeah, instead of just telling him or doing it himself, yeah. making yeah. his whole lie up about having to save his son, where it's like, yeah, he could have just told him. Yeah, and or like written him a letter, like open in 2015 and yeah. sort your kid out. Yeah, or something, or just raise him better. Yeah. Um, or stop, stop, <laughs> stop, stop worrying if you're a chicken or not. You're That's it. Yeah. Um, very quickly, just before we move on to, we'll talk about Jennifer, who I just named up before. Yeah. But um, Michael J. Fox also plays Marty McFly Junior. So that's his son. Yep. Um, who's a bit of a loser? Just like a sweaty, whiny loser version yeah. of him. Yeah, basically a bit of a drop kick, causing trouble. Yep. Um, but yeah, just I see a different. I see a different character. In him. I'm like, is that a different actor? But it's Michael J. Fox, but I just see yeah. someone different. It's nuts. True. Um, the power of acting. Um, <laughs> he also plays Marley McFly, which is his daughter. Can I, just, can I just say, can you do an impression of him walking down the stairs, calling his mum? <laughs> no, I can't. I actually no? didn't. I didn't actually notice it too much, to be honest. You? I'm not, not going to lie. You didn't know it was Michael J. Fox? No, I didn't really pay attention to it. I was just assuming... I was more more thinking about just where everything else was happening. <laughs> and I didn't even really notice that it was him. So, <laughs> But I just don't know why... Now they, if I looked at it, I'm 100% sure going to know that. But I just don't... I don't know why they didn't just say, hey, let's put, like, Jennifer Parker... In, oh, uh, sorry, let's put Elizabeth Shue in, a, yeah. in like, a, you know, a dress and a wig and make her yeah. the daughter. Just, but no, they make it <laughs> just very, very powerful genes that he has. Um, finally, uh, Michael J. Fox plays Seamus McFly in part three yeah. as like the Irish dis- so, uh, old ancestor. Yeah, the recent arrival. Yeah, I'm going to talk about the other half of yeah, that. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. But, you know, okay, he, he wears a moustache and puts on an accent. I love that, by the way. <laughs> they all put on different accents at different, like, as in um, Lorraine does as well. I can't remember what. Yeah. Oh, for the the Irish for, the, for, for part three. Yeah. yeah, I think it's great. Oh, they all have. It's all about having fun. All right. So Jennifer Parker obviously is the girlfriend of Marty. So in the number one, she's played by Claudia Wells. Yes. Now she turned down uh, the she turned down returning for part two and three due to personal issues. So yeah. it wasn't it wasn't a case of she got fired, she got replaced, yeah. whatever. It was a small role anyway. She was yeah more like. You know, something to go back to yeah. for Marty as like a motivational tool. Yeah. Um, she plays a slightly bigger role in part two for the first act. Yeah, and I think they kind of, I think they kind of trap themselves like the writers by having her in that sort of sting at the end of the movie mm. because they they get rid of her pretty fast in part two. <laughs> like, but they literally dump her. <laughs> they like, dump her. And you know what? I I don't know how I did. I say Elizabeth Shue. Yeah, Elizabeth Shue yeah. plays her, replaces her. Yeah, um, and she's in part two and three. Um, I don't know about the whole um, like leaving her on the porch in alternate 
1985. She would have been raped. And then, well, not <laughs> she'd be raped, but <laughs> the the science behind Doc's theory, Doc's theory is that her and Einstein will just revert back to whatever timeline they recreate. I feel like mm. nah, they'd be lost in time, forever or something, or they'd cease yeah. to exist. You reckon something would? I don't know because the timeline would. I don't know. It's it's this movie's science, and I shouldn't argue with it, but I just feel like it's a bit of a cop out. I think I think is what it exactly is is a cop out. <laughs> it's we've got a sporting character, we've left her there, and then we'll pick her back up later. That's weird. And and, and, and the world will magically revert once we fix yeah. this problem. Um, I have to say, so because there was a character, um, a sorry, an act, actor change between part one and part two, they actually. They had to reshoot shot for shot the, of course, ending, the yeah. ending of number one so they could slot it into number two. And so you do have Elizabeth Shue retracing all of the steps that um, that Claudia Wells did. And it's so going into this, I, I researched this beforehand and I knew that it was two different actresses. Yeah. I didn't actually realise it back, you know, back in the day. I didn't actually think about it. Well, um, I knew Elizabeth Shue as, actually, again, you're watching part two and three more than uh, yeah. I had been to exp- I thought Elizabeth Shue was. Yeah. Yeah, always Jennifer Parker. Like. Apparently, apparently not. Um, and that's that's the thing. But very well done that they recreated it shot for shot perfectly. The, with the her one, in it. I mean, there's there's minor differences, and you know, like oh. they, it's not perfect, but it's pretty damn good. Perfect enough for me. Damn, the one main difference, and again, this goes back to how number two sets up a lot of stuff with number three, or or more so that yeah. So when Marty says. What do they grow up to be assholes or something? And Doc says uh, to Marty that it's your kids, Marty. We've we've something's got to be done about your kids. And in the original, at the end of the first movie, Doc says, "Well, you know, the scene plays and it's quick. It's like, oh, it's your kids. They, you know, something's going to be in the in the re-shot version in the second movie. There's a pause where yeah, Doc okay. kind of hints that there's to the audience. He hints that it's something more than yeah, his okay. kids. Like there's." Yeah, which obviously is something they wrote into it because they hadn't written the second movie yet. Yes, they were they weren't there yet. Yeah, <laughs> um, very very cool. Um, if we're going to talk quickly before we move on from Marty, um, there's a couple of repeat things that he does. He always says that's heavy, like it's yeah. his catchphrase. Oh, yeah. says, that's heavy, um, and he also says so. In each movie, he wakes up and he's being patted on the head. Or like he's knocked out, and he always says, "Mom, mom, is that you?" Mom, is that like you? All three times he does it. But it's interesting about it. That's heavy because Doc. We'll talk about. We'll talk about Doc in a second. He always says, "Great Scott." Everyone knows that. Yeah. But there's one time in, in the third movie, the third movie, and they swing it around, and it made me just laugh, like right yeah. out loud. When as soon as yeah, like he says, "Great Scott," Marty says, "Great Scott." Doc turns around and says. Um, yeah, said, yes, I know that's heavy. Or something like that. Yeah, and it's just great, Scott. I know that's heavy. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's, they they play it so. I well, smile though. every time I see that bit. It's it's probably one of the best parts of the movie. To be honest, <laughs> it's just like ah, oh, they've all grown oh. in, in like this week. <laughs> but Marty's is, week. But if you watch it over you know course of a couple of days, it's a journey. It is a journey, but it is cool. Do you to you pick it up a bit yeah. more? Yeah. You mentioned like the the these movies retread certain scenes and replay obviously in a different setting yeah. but the same characters or the same types of character yeah. you know you've got like Marty skateboarding um, mm. with a confrontation with Biff and his gang whether yeah. it's Biff or Griff and his gang yeah. Um, yeah. on a hoverboard or a skateboard yeah. um, uh, you've got yeah, like you said Marty waking up to his mom like yeah. on different occasions <laughs> in different time periods 
Um, did you like that they repeated things, or did you think it was... No, I thought it was great. You love it? I, I, just I also enjoy it. Correct answer. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> it just it just connects it. It's a connecting tissue, and it's yeah. like, it's a nod. It's an inside little tongue-in-cheek, like, ha-ha-ha, remember that one? Ha-ha-ha, <laughs> we're going to do it again. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> like, there's, there's retracing, like, a formula and stuff, yeah. but there's also just, like... You know, there's comedic tones to it, and it, it kind of it just plays. Well, the thing it. is, I mean, we're rambling hard, but I don't care. But episode movie, fifty, we can ramble. It, <laughs> we've it. we don't. We've done this long enough. Um, the movies, each of them are so different tonally, right? Um, and th- like not thematically, but you know, the environment is all different for all three of them. To have that little familiarity with a connection, it just it just links them. It just makes it, it feel them. like it's it more of a them, yeah. yeah. Threads them is a good way of putting it. So. Let's um, have fun with it, and yeah. yeah, it's always good to see like, oh, okay, what does the rain look like now? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, there's no surprises. It's like you almost expect it, but you're also eager for it too. You want to see what Lorraine's connection to that is, mm. even though we're, we're going to talk about it. We'll talk about it. I don't understand it. But it doesn't make any sense. But anyway, let's talk Christopher Lloyd. That's yeah. I mean, if I actually like Christopher Lloyd, so um, Emmett Brown, Doc, then I actually more more than Marty for sure. Sorry. He's a sorry, he, but I, no, 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 no. I, oh, I know, I get it, and uh, no, absolutely. I mean, I know I praised Marty as a character, but I meant more. He was more like just a superior character to you know his family and mm. all that. Like he just really had no flaws until the second movie. But of course, Emmett Brown, Christopher Lloyd, is a character. Mm. Like what a performance, and um, like I said, meeting the guy was a heart-stopping moment for me. I Amazing. What a legend. imagine that. What a legend. It was expensive. But it was <laughs> amazing. Just like... And of course, this is the go-to movie for him and he probably hates it. He's probably like, hey, let's talk about Taxi or let's talk about, yeah. you know, My Favourite Martian. Maybe he doesn't want to talk about that. <laughs> but, you know, he's done heaps of stuff. But this movie is... It's his, man. Like, it's, it's Doc. Yeah. And he's just... He's so energetic and crazy. There's moments where he's explaining things and he's just running up and down. Mm. There's the cheekiness where, you know, in the first movie where, you know, he said, he tells he tells the plan, he's like, we've got to send you back to the future. And he points and looks at the camera. Yeah. <laughs> As an audience <laughs> is like, yeah, <laughs> there it is. You've got to accept this. This like, is great. Um, yeah, this is fine. But it's okay because... And because Marty's looking like, what are you looking at? Like, what? Yeah. He he doesn't address the audience. He's just like, what? So it works for his character. He's a loon. He's a nut. And that's part of it. Yes. Like, the very first time you introduced to him, he's not even in the room, but Marty's walking through his workshop and he's sinking clocks to be 20 minutes behind. already... For no reason. We're already (laughs) learning about it. So much happening. It's a... The first movie starts, it's real slow, you know, it's a yeah. slow burn. I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening, a lot yeah. of information being dumped. But, like, yeah, you're right, that first opening scene is all about Doc. Yeah. As much as it's an introduction to Marty. Yeah. Uh, and I guess yeah. the big, the big like, uh, speaker thing is is their relationship. Like, yeah. why would Marty be hanging out with him? Because he's building him a thing for his guitar, yeah. like an amplifier. Like, Don't use the speaker. It might be. Yeah, it's like, uh, no, no. <laughs> whatever he says. Like, like good tip, yeah. Well, that's actually a great, um, great introduction for Marty anyway, just because he's a rock and roller. Yeah. It sets that like, up. He doesn't even say one word, uh, well, other than, ugh. Like, he says gross when he sees all the dog food, I think. Yeah. So, or was yeah. that you who said it? Because I, I don't know. Like, I remember saying that when I was like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely said it too. I was like, that's, so, that's gross. Um, well, one, one thing as well, we didn't really talk about it with Michael J. Fox uh, before we continue on with Christopher Lloyd, but um, obviously everyone, the, the world is aware that Michael J. Fox um, suffers 
Parkinson's disease. Right, yeah. And he has done for quite a while, and he's a very big advocate, a very, um, very supportive of... Oh, he even has his own foundation. Interestingly, he was actually experiencing symptoms during the production of this. Really? He was actually that early, di- was it? He was diagnosed officially um, in 1991. So during the production for all of this, he was beginning... It was early onset. Oh, like minor tremors and stuff yeah. like that? Like, yeah, and um, inc- including... Um, uh, he wasn't through Flash on the skateboard compared to the first time. Like when, so, the first movie, then it was four years later, and they were filming the second one. That's really interesting. I and, didn't he, know and he, it was, and he was putting it down early, to yeah. not not learn, like just oh, I've forgotten how to ride a skateboard. But really, it was down to some really. Minor... And he hadn't personally dealt with yeah. with that yet, and, and so, discussing it and yeah. being open about. Wow, no, really interesting. Yeah, I thought it was a lot. Like I thought it was like during his like Spin City days or something. Well, Spin City was. 1996 I think anyway yeah. so yeah anyway um, so and, and going back to Christopher Lloyd I remember watching a um, there was a a special I think it was on MTV nah it wasn't MTV it was something else in the last couple of years it probably was in 2015 to be honest um, and they were both on stage together right and the DeLorean was there I yeah. don't know it could have been even the Academy Awards for that year but you can tell that they're both like uh, Christopher Lloyd especially he's, he's old he's yeah. an old man now He's definitely, he, he, like, he's, he slurs a little bit and stuff like that. And that's why I was t- at the top, we were talking about reboots and things. I was like, no, no, these guys are still around, but we can't have these characters come back because it won't be the same. And Christopher exactly, Lloyd yeah. in these movies, he plays an older character than he actually is. He's actually much, much younger. And you actually see that because he takes his prosthetics off when he, when he goes to... Oh, when he goes to the... The future, he says, oh, I've had a, a facelift. Yeah. And he comes back and he takes the prosthetics off. But in the first movie, he was wearing the prosthetics to make well, it look confused. older. Yeah, because obviously the first movie being set in 1985, you've got a, let's call him a, a youthful looking Christopher Lloyd. You know, take that as it, as it will be. Yeah. Um, then you go which back is how time. he looks in 1955. Like that's yeah. Christopher Lloyd, the actor. Real face. In his know. 40s. You know, like, with makeup or whatnot, yeah. but... Was he 40? Was he, yeah, he's in his was late he 40s. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's 30 years later now. He's only so he's, obviously he's 80-ish. Yeah. In the 1985 scenes, he's wearing the right. prosthetics to make him look older. Yeah. But then in the second movie, it gets confusing. Like you said, you know, he's in yeah. the future, but in the future... Like when... So it's present day 1985 Doc, but yeah. he now looks young again. Yeah. And then in the future, he takes off like his face, and yeah, it's yeah, it's weird. It's, but it ex- explains a little bit. But I thought it was just a nice nod to say that they're obviously just clearing it up. He obviously just to save time. He hasn't like because he was wearing prosthetics for the first yeah, yeah. the first movie just to get it out of the way. Just so they could have this. So they could have uh, yeah. present day nineteen eighty five Doc looking youthful. And they actually and they actually touch on it a little bit where um they uh they see Lorraine. And they, oh, no, the cop sees her. Oh, Jennifer. Jennifer. Yeah. Sorry, um, Jennifer, and says, um, "Oh wow, she looks so much younger than I thought she like, would." Like what a what an yeah, amazing facelift <laughs> yeah. she, she's had. Um, and that's just a touch also to Christopher Lloyd's character not having to wear the prosthetics anymore. <laughs> so there is there is a besides the visual look of him, there is a. Uh, I, I figured there. I, I saw a may a major difference between the two characters. Mm. Um, oh, the the same character, but the across the timelines. So right. the present day 1985 doc, mm-hmm. I found was a lot more loonier yeah. and goofy. Um, when you get to 55, he's you know a little bit more controlled. Well, he's um, still got his family's fortune and stuff. It's all yeah, things are happening, and it's like he hasn't used it all. To it's him. almost like he fell to pieces, even though he's still 
and a, a genius still inventing things, but yeah, he fell to pieces somewhere along that 30-year track. And then when you have, in the second movie, you know, more adventures with the 1985 Doc, yeah. you know, going along with Marty, with stuff, yeah. you get more of that zany... Crazy stuff. Then backtracking on the road. Yeah, because in the first movie, 1985 Doc is only at the beginning and then yeah. at the very end. And the rest. Well, he says, 1985 says, I remember I learnt... Like I had this epiphany of this the um the the flux capacitor yeah ninety five because I fell and I hit my head or yeah. something like that um, and then when you first meet him he's, he's got a bandage on yeah, his head right. but he go, but he goes but I squalored my whole family's fortune to build this thing but when you go back in time he's still living in this palatial thing so he obviously hasn't kind of got to that point where he's really just investing all of his time and money into he obviously he obviously sold that like mini mansion that he had because. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's not living in it in 1985 because Marty had to look him up. Yeah. And he was like, where the hell's that? Like, yeah. Riverside Drive or whatever it is. Yeah, and it's yeah, like... Yeah. So, yeah, that's... So, he must have sold that house <laughs> and living in some little... Some tiny Suburbia little house. Yeah. yeah. Big yeah. enough for that amplifier, but... All right. <laughs> that's great. Um, all right. So, Christopher Lloyd, amazing. Um, Clara Clayton, we should probably address uh, amongst the Emmett Brown stuff. So Mary Steenburgen um, only appears in part three, of course, yeah. as he meets her in the Old West. Yeah. Um, I don't know why, but for some reason, I never realised that the like because I always had an issue with the fact that he can't take a woman out of a timeline, have a family with her, and break. But it. she dies. She dies. Well, she, she dies. was meant she goes to into, die. She go, meant to die, and, and they save her. I don't know why, but I only realise. I feel really dumb because I feel like that's a main. Unless I just forgot it. Look, number yeah. three isn't my favourite. I'll admit it. So maybe I just forgot a lot of it. Yeah. Um, some of some of it rings a bell. I remember something about. You know, he saves her from going over the bridge and it's like okay well if he saved her then she must have died so maybe I just overlooked it but yeah. of course she was meant to die and that's the only reason he can she's the perfect woman she's the perfect woman I mean, for... he even says the idea of of being with someone and starting a family with someone can't happen the space I'm continuing would just implode in itself <laughs> yeah. like I would yeah. break everything yeah but he found a loophole he which did. was because because she was meant to die the, the only thing that changes is the ravine would no longer be called <laughs> Clara or Clayton Ravine or whatever what it was, it was yeah it was um, and they also changed the name of the bridge at the end of it all to um, Clip Eastwood Bridge but I love it <laughs> it's so cool it's so cool like why um, not and then they and they, they have a connection through science and teaching and things like that yeah and they end up by having two boys enjoyable ca- oh freaky kids I just yeah. I just don't like the kids yeah, they're only there for a second I know fine. but it's a it's a, a just a disturbing couple of seconds <laughs> um, but they're named after their favourite um, author Jules Verne's yeah, so author, Jules and Verne, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's their connection is they talk, they're looking at stars and then they talk about Jules Verne, ten thousand leagues under yeah. the sea and all of that stuff. So I think that's a that's the main besides obviously the whole Wild West setting of the third movie. That's a major difference in the third movie is that there's a love interest that isn't connected to well, like Doc Brown hadn't yeah. had a love interest. Well, I actually think the third movie is Doc Brown's. It's Doc Brown's movie. Yeah, it's it's the setting he wanted to be. Yeah. I mean, it's about Marty it's going about back his and saving future. him. Yeah, but I think Marty's more along for the ride there than it is. <laughs> I think like, Marty's along for the ride for the whole thing. Yeah, true. But <laughs> but a lot of it is Marty is trying to deal, like sort out issues for him. Yeah. Whereas this is no, this is a Doc Brown thing, and it's all about him. It's all about his future, and it's about his what what he wants, and that's what he you know what he gets. So a couple of things. So we mentioned that um, Doc Brown says "Great Scott" everywhere. Everyone knows this. That's right. Yeah. 
Have you, did you pick up the times where he apologised for the models? So he says, I apologise for the crudeness of this model. Yeah, and they're like and amazing. It's, like, it's amazing. <laughs> He's like, they're not to scale. It's like, but, well, it's pretty damn good. So I, every time he said it, I just I just had a nice giggle. I was like, that's so good. I do enjoy that scene where he shows Marty the, like, test the, the car. This is what's going to happen to it. Yeah. And the end of the lightning bolt, all that kind of stuff. And then the car just lights on fire, <laughs> falls off, lights the bin on fire. It's, yeah. I'm like, yeah, great. Yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. You're not filling me with a whole lot of confidence, Doc. Down to like the millisecond. So, all right, let's let's move away from the, those two leads. We'll move on to Leah Thompson, who plays multiple characters. Mainly, she plays Lorraine Baines McFly. And I didn't know what to call her, so I just called her that in my notes. <laughs> what, Lorraine, Lorraine Baines McFly. Yeah, that's her name. Yeah, is that her name in the? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I don't know. So she, know. <laughs> her character. Because um, I was gonna go all out and be like, yeah, she's in the third one, but it's like, she's well, she is, but she very, is. very briefly. Yeah, doesn't really count. Um, she's pretty much in one and two. Yeah, as Lorraine, um, but, but she's the main sticking. Like her main one is number one. Pretty much. I mean, yeah. it's it's about her oh, and George. Well, actually, number two. Yeah, come on, let's. Oh, she plays in the two, but number one, it's it's about her, and it's the whole idea of you know, not the whole idea, but it's that weird icky thing of like Marty with his mother being infatuated with yeah. him. And that whole awkward situation. Super awkward. Definitely makes you feel uncomfortable. Definitely intentional. I mean, she's and I definitely, love it. I love it. I love she's it. definitely gorgeous in this movie, though. Oh, she's like, gorgeous. She's, like, she's, she's she gorgeous is. now. She's gorgeous now, goddammit. I've yeah. seen her recently. Not in person. Not in Leah Thompson. <laughs> but, um, like, yeah, she, she's all... I'll tell you what, she's super obsessed super quick, though. Is that a thing? I don't think it's a thing. It's that I mean they they say what what syndrome do they call it? It's that thing not Stockholm but it's no, like it's not Stockholm it's syndrome. It's like um, <laughs> when you're caring for someone and yeah that's the whole thing. Oh, it's like you right. become infatuated with it. yeah. And it's kind of sad because it's like oh that's how she fell for George because <laughs> she's caring. And for that I mean that's area. obviously true to the character though, isn't it? So that's who she is. That's so. it. So it happened. Um, and but, it, um, she did it for George in the original timeline, and then also in the one that they fixed because he gets hit by a car. And then she cares for him and falls in love with him. And then the second one, he punches yeah, Biff, true. but he's also hurt. Yeah. Which so she cares for him as well. So she just likes victims, doesn't she? She likes she likes to the, the she likes to care. She's a caring soul. But she she's great. So so number one, she's the pretty much the main reason. Like because she's infatuated with Marty, he needs to then go back and do everything and fix it all. I mean don't blame her. I mean it's Marty's fault. <laughs> it, 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 it is. But number in part two, it's different. She's still his, she's Marty's mum, but she's married to Biff because Biff's changed the whole timeline. Yeah, he always wanted her, and then he got her. But they I mean, actually, he had to he had to murder to make it happen. Yeah. And then they what did um and they actually you know they play it up a little bit more like they make they make her have breast implants very very obviously. <laughs> um, mum, you're so, but that's big. <laughs> but it's, yeah, no, it's so creepy. But it's also that's. You know, that's evidence just to say, like, Biff is controlling the whole situation and doesn't care about any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he, he, Marty is, you know, Biff's, I guess, son in, um, stepson in that case. Yeah. yeah. But Biff just, just doesn't care about any of them and, in fact, tries to kill, kill him anyway. Um, but Lorraine, like, yeah, she's, I thought she's just a sweet character the whole way through, even <laughs> when she's an alcoholic. <laughs> even when. <laughs> now, which alcoholic are you talking about? So we've got. So the 1985 original Lorraine. Yeah. Um, she does love her booze too. Yeah. Well, she? I mean, I mean, obviously they they've got the makeup on her, so they've made her look, you know, like you know, ages hit her. Probably the alcohol has been a factor. Yeah. She doesn't seem 
too happy even though she still clearly loves George yeah. it's like she's not getting that attention from him and yeah. he's doing what George yeah. does best being a goof um, <laughs> we'll talk about him but she still you know yeah. she still loves him and is infatuated with him even 30 years later which is nice yeah. um, but obviously there's there's you know there's there's a flaw in, in their, their marriage and, yeah. and the family and all that kind of stuff yeah. um, obviously we get 1955 Lorraine which is the cute awkwardly sexy infatuated young Mother to be, yeah. <laughs> mum, you're so hot. He's got to say hot. So she was, she was 23 when they were filming this. Damn. So all of those prosthetics to make her look like in her 50s and That's stuff. That's crazy. Like that. yeah, yeah. yeah. So isn't that amazing? And she's also she was only a year or so. I think she's a year younger than um, uh, Michael J. Fox. So she was playing his mother while being a year younger than him. Isn't that interesting? Oh, it's mental. Isn't it's that weird. interesting? It's weird. So obviously things get fixed. New yeah. Lorraine, uh, 1985. Um, mm. So, I don't know. Happy, healthy looking, slim. Yeah. yeah. All good. So things are fixed. We see her pop up again. Yeah. Part two, part mm. three, very briefly in that form. Um, we've got the 2015 Lorraine. So we've got old lady Grandma Lorraine. Oh, yeah, that's right. So she appears there, and I think that was just an excuse just to put her in the movie more. Yeah. Like, yeah. we need to bring her back and give give Leah Thompson more scenes because she's amazing. Although they would have... Oh, we'll, we'll talk about the Crispin Glover stuff, but they would have regretted <laughs> it because they would have had to have put that character they in there as well. It. No, but I think they wanted to keep... They wanted to bring out as many characters as they could yeah. to, to draw. So, but, I mean, she's kind of just playing the, the same, you know, cute mm. and sweet, but now she's an old grandma. Um, we do get, as you mentioned, big boobied uh, alternate 1985 Lorraine, which is dark and dark, the dark timeline. Yeah, and scary. Dark one. And yep. It's uh, creepy. But she's, um, she's non-stop drinking. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's let's talk about Leah Thompson's uh, appearance in Back to the Future Part Three. It makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense. Think of it. Or doesn't make sense, and we should be questioning a few things with the Mark McFly clan. Well, they <laughs> potentially could be incest in some way. So she's so Lee Thompson's playing Maggie McFly, yeah, who is within, you know, I guess, I mean, still married into the McFly family. Yeah. However, she would she would have birthed like she birthed William McFly, who is the grandfather. Grandfather, yeah, right. So that's another. Then it's two generations. Yeah, so she is directly related by blood to all of the McFlys that we see, except for Lorraine McFly. Correct. So that makes no sense. Why? It makes zero sense. <laughs> and, and I mean, we brush it off because we're having fun, but it doesn't make sense. <laughs> she was really just there because they Leah Thompson Lee, needed to be there for something. Yeah, I think in an ideal world, and we'll move on to Crispin, Crispin Glover in just a sec. But in an ideal world, like that scene, instead of Michael J. Fox being in, you know, playing Seamus, maybe it would have been Crispin Glover. Or maybe they would have been a mix, and no, because then they're still creating a baby that goes down the line, and then she comes in again. It yeah, but, uh, yeah, work. no, but I mean, they would have had it. I don't know. It should have just been a different woman. Yeah. Or they could have had the the Baines farm. Yeah. And had Leah Thompson play an ancestor of yeah of Lorraine, yeah. and not had Michael J. Fox. Yeah. Be, yeah, it's she it's, could have been in there without being connected that way, but unfortunately, that's how they did it. It I mean, it just makes it 
if you think about it, it confuses you. If you just let it go, you just let it like go. Like I said, if we're just having fun, if we're just having fun, which we should, you know, we brush it off, but yeah, no. Nah, like I said, these movies aren't perfect and there's things in there that uh, make me question things. <laughs> like it's, it's not healthy. Don't do it. And that is certainly one of them. All right, <laughs> let's get on to George McFly and Mr. Crispin Glover. Okay, before we get all, before we get to all the drama and stuff with it, yeah. let's just talk about his character as we should. So George McFly... Jeez, I hate him. I mean, he's in... What? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just... I mean, you know his laugh? He's like... <laughs> I love it. What Crispin Glover no, just makes is me... no. What Crispin Glover is doing with George McFly in Back to the Future is just gold. It's amazing. Well, I mean, it's brilliant. It is fantastic. I'm just saying, you love I, to hate him. I love to hate him. I love to hate him. But he's it is brilliant. I just yeah. What he does, just the way he acts and performs, like when he's when he's 1985 George in the original timeline, and then when he's all kind of cool and confident in the mm. in the um, in the new. 1985 timeline, but like in 1955 when he's awkward, you know, like he's pulling back his long fringe, which yeah. like looks really greasy. Yeah. Um, every time, you know, he, he goes to try and talk to Lorraine, and then you know she's something's happening with Marty, and she's like, "Ah, oh, this is amazing," and he's just backing out of the. Yeah. He just backs, backs out away. Of the backs every out. Time. He just, every time. Just slithers. He just slithers away. Like it's not like he's. He's not like he's. I'm just going. He, he like sneaks away he's like I'm gonna, I don't want anyone to notice me leaving but I'm yeah. going I've got my notepad this is great stuff I'm gonna write this yeah. down you're my density <laughs> oh man it is fantastic Darth Vader came down to me last night and told me oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah so there's there's some quality moments in Why that, do you in keep that first movie the, the first scene with him really like in the diner with Marty you see Marty's face just looking at him like what the hell is happening yeah yeah. And then when, yeah, George, he just stops and goes, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's just everything he's doing. I think it is amazing. I mean, it's well done. I just, like you said, I love to hate him. I hate him so much in a good way, in a way that you can't take your eyes off him. You're like, oh, God, you're so annoying. You're but so annoying. Yeah, but there's so, I don't know, there's so much to it. And I don't know, maybe I just see the, the geekiness of me inside he, him, like the, the, shit, <laughs> the shit male species that... Oh, don't do that, that to me. But he is, he's so Talk awkward. to the pretty girl. And he, he's so awkward, like he's taking notes, he has to slam a chocolate milkshake... You know, just to prepare. Oh, but epic, epic. Like, is it just not- Lou? Give me a chocolate like milk. It. <laughs> it's so good. But then he, you know, he has re- his redemption. He actually, he was expecting Michael um, Marty to be, you know, in the car, and they were going to have a setup moment where yeah. he had to be the savior, and he comes to the rescue, even though it's the biggest, baddest guy. In the yeah, town. he doesn't say, "All right, see you later." Like, yeah. whoops, this isn't how the plan was going to go. I'm, I'm out of here. He, he steps up and he gets it done because you know that's what it does. Because yeah. Lorraine needs help, like yeah. So, yeah, fine, fine, it's fine. <laughs> Lorraine fine. is being sexually assaulted yeah. in this movie. Um, she is. No wonder Disney didn't want it. I mean, I don't blame yeah. her. <laughs> don't blame well, tell you what, Biff, sex like. Assault her like pretty much every time he sees her. Well, yeah, we'll come back to Biff. <laughs> yeah. He's a he's right. a beast. Talk um, about the rest of George McFly. Well, he's not. Well, I mean, he's in two and three a little bit briefly, but yeah. Um, now, why is he not in them? Uh, well, more? Crispin Glover isn't in two and three uh, due to a contract disagreement. Glover was replaced by Jeffrey Weissman in part two and part three. Yep. Um, so what they did with Jeffrey Weissman. Um, they used prosthetics to resemble Glover. Yeah. They, you know, did camera tricks. You know, had him out upside down. Yeah. They had shots of him 
uh, wearing sunglasses mm. at a distance, so you can't, couldn't really tell. And you know, they kind of pull it off. Can I'll I say the movie makers credit for pulling it off? Yeah. I'm like, you know, you. I actually didn't know it was Chris. I didn't know it was the same, not the same actor, until we, I started researching after I watched them. For but, some reason, it's never. I've never, I've never known it. Yeah, never, not once. It's just great. I think that's that's another reason I, I feel like number one is is so contained in itself because George is such a big character. Yeah, it's huge. And then two and three it. suddenly, nothing about him, like nothing yeah. to do with him whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, some of the the disagreements that he was having as well. If we want to touch on that a little bit, it was because uh, Leo Thompson was getting paid more for her appearance. <laughs> Based on the next script and things like that, yeah, and, so, and they I mean, were an equal, and so he was like, he was like, hang on, and then he basically was offered a counter when he when he expressed this issue to um to Bob Gale, Bob Gale actually gave him a counter offer which was actually less than the first one. Wow, and so it was basically like nut. Nah. <laughs> I mean, it, it definitely sounds like some douchey things happened. Um, yeah. We try not to get too much into yeah politics I mean, and take sides, yeah. like things happen, but I mean. Something good did come out of this, and I didn't put this in the legacy, but it mm. it is a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, Glover filed a lawsuit against the producers on the grounds that they neither owned his likeness nor had permission to use it. So not only did they use prosthetics to make um, what's his name Wiseman look like George yeah. McFly or look like you know Danny Glover, but yeah. they obviously used archival footage as mm-hmm. well from the previous movie, which again Glover didn't agree to having used in the future movies. Yeah. Or, no, no pun intended there. Yeah. Um, so as a result of the lawsuit, um, there are now clauses in the Screen Actors Guild collective bargaining agreements which state that producers and actors are not allowed to use such methods to reproduce the likeness or of other actors. Yeah. So, so a, good prime, a prime example would be, uh, let's say, um, uh, Princess Leia. Yeah. In like the da 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 Rogue One. Yeah. So. Uh, Carrie Fisher's likeness was they needed to get approval from, from her, her estate, estate her yeah. family, her daughter, all of that. Everyone was like, all good, yeah. go for it, use it. Yeah. Um, they don't own her face. Yeah. And, um, and they can't use and it. And they don't own her face yeah. for this reason. Yeah. So that's, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah. It's something, inter- something good came out of it. It's interesting though, because um, cause Glover ended up by working with Zemeckis again later at um, for uh, the movie Beowulf. So they obviously have ended up by, at the end of it all, they're still a working Somehow relationship. Somehow on, on some yeah. good terms, you know. Yeah. Like, but um, I think I don't think he I don't think he fought and was like I'm going to do this lawsuit out of spite or because no he's like this is what he's owed to me. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like this is something that needs to be rectified yeah. and looked at because it wasn't. You didn't write me out. You used me, but you just didn't use me. Um, interestingly, the plot line of uh, George McFly being dead in 1985A, like the alternative, um, and that was based basically. Um, because of Crispin Glover not being part of it, so it's just another. It was a thing to make it a little bit easier, because there was yeah. only so many things that they could do with White Weissman. But I mean, in place, so. they wrote they wrote around it, and I think it, it it worked. It gave Marty more motivation to go back and fix yeah. everything to erase that timeline. Yeah, because his dad was dead. I mean, but, yeah. I mean, more reason. I mean, there's heaps of stuff going on, but yeah. yeah but there's <laughs> there's that. All right. Yeah. So that was George McFly. There Let's talk Thomas F. Wilson. Um, Love him. All of his characters. <laughs> so many characters. Um, obviously, we start with Biff Tannen, who appears in all three movies yeah. in many different versions. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you've got 1985 original Biff, who is the asshole and the prick that we all, all love to hate. Yep. 
1955 Biff is the same asshole. That but, we, but, but younger. Younger, younger and younger. we love to hate him. Yep. Um, 1985 uh, New Biff. Yep. Or new 1985 Biff. Which is the, the the timid, friendly Biff that will is uh, I think a little bit afraid of the McFlies. Yeah, seems that way. But it would be because George in that alternative time that's it or fix it. beat him up. So yeah, no more no more sexually assaulting uh, women in the street Good. or in their cars. Uh, we also of course have 2015 of oh, the old man Biff. Yeah, and an alternate 1985 Biff, which is of course the rich man Biff. The 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 Donald. Donald Trump-based Trump. <laughs> money-winning conglomerate beast of a man. That's the guy. Donald the Trump. I mean, Biff Tannen. Yeah. So, many different versions. Pretty much in all of them except for the new 85 timeline. He's a dick. Sometimes yeah. he's more of a dick. Mm-hmm. But he's pretty much the same, just a different age. Yeah. So, easy to talk about. He's a dick. He's a dick. He, um, doesn't, he doesn't know how to say certain things correctly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and he's he's pretty much I mean he's the Biff himself in all these different iterations is the main, the main antagonist really across the whole thing yeah but he one thing that um, Thomas F. Wilson has done is like is it's just a slightly different different take on the character yeah. every time and he's, there's so many different versions and you've got like even playing the alternate ages as well because he, he plays in a very extreme character. Across the trilogy, he plays seven different characters, it's, it essentially. Is, it's pretty damn impressive. Like, And I think, well, I think we said at the top he got nominated for a couple of... Like, yeah. yeah. So, which which is your favourite Biff? Um, I, I'd always like to go with classic. Just classic uh, 1955 Biff. That's... I like... I, I think old Biff because... <laughs> old Biff because he's crafty. He's not holding back. He's not, he's not holding back. And he's, he's got like, a cane. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he, he's out of all of the Biffs. I really don't like Trump Biff at all. But anyway. I mean, that's I mean, the whole like, reason. Really love that. Yeah. No, but I think... You know, I feel like the, the 55 one is the classic. Out of all the characters, even, you know, like 55 Lorraine... 55 George, yeah. 55 Marty... No, uh, 55 Biff. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, no, they're all... 55 is where all yeah. the characters are really solid. And yeah. Biff's, yeah, no different, you know, like... Are you stupid, McFly? Like, get out of tree... Get, like, make like a tree and get out get of here. Get out of here, like, it's just, yeah. It's just nuts. Um, and I'm really glad that we get to revisit 55 Biff again in part two in such a extensive way. Um because yeah it's like he has this whole there's a whole other side to him and you know he lives with his mm. grandma and obviously his grandma's a bit of a dick too. <laughs> yeah like that's right that's all yeah it's all happening um we do get I guess it's his grandson I think Griff in part yeah. two which is in the future so that's Thomas F. Wilson again playing that and you know how full on is Griff like oh just this is the way he screamed the whole the whole Bye. the whole gang like yeah. the future gang is just like are you stupid, McFly? Yeah, it's so. <laughs> I really like it though, but I mean, it is definitely part of that like tonal change that's so jarring. Yeah. It's like, Whoa. but it's like they were trying to go for like these are some like Mad Max type futuristic yeah. characters, like where have they come, or just like the dialect is just like completely thrown. Yeah, like the future we have no hope because these are our <laughs> these are our kids. <laughs> oh, these are our grandkids. But, but I, I, I like them. I just had to point out before we move on to one of the other the other characters. Um, the other Biff characters, but uh, interestingly, there's a shot. So just as soon as Marty and Doc leave 2015, there's a shot 
that kind of lingers on the um the time, I guess the display that says where they're going and where mm-hmm. they've been and what time it is, and it actually reads that last departed November twelfth, nineteen fifty five, six thirty eight. So if they looked at where they had been, they would have seen that someone had just been to nineteen fifty five. Yeah. Or if they, they had looked down and seen the bloody cane. cane on the yeah, f- it's true, true. But it's just that was a little production note that was kind of there. It was like. Oh, it could have, could have been reverted. Everything could have been reverted right there and then. But anyway. Um, like we said, shouldn't have happened anyway. Marty and Doc should have been trapped in that now non-existent 1980. Should have just went poof. 2015. I don't know where they were. 2015. Yeah. Ah, it's all too hard. It's all too hard. All right, let's talk about the last iteration of Biff, which is Buford, uh, Mad Dog Tannen. And actually, I have to say, this is my favourite. <laughs> Out of all of the characters, this is my favourite interpretation of him. Can I be honest with you? Yeah. Only a few years ago, I think it was probably around the 2015 rewatch, when, when which was my last rewatch before this most recent one. Yeah, I thought this was a different actor. Oh no, you, you can definitely. I didn't know it was. Hmm. I didn't know it was Thomas F. Wilson. Like not at all. Yeah, right. I was like, oh, they just got a different guy. And it's filmed at the same time as all those other characters. <laughs> like he was just jumping in and out. So um... I was like, he looks thinner. Like he, I don't know. It's just completely different. Everything's different. His voice, his look. Yeah. Just there's so much, like, to, I don't know. It's just nuts. And he, yeah, he's a crazy character. Goofy as well. Like, yeah. there's, you know, the bits where it's like, you know, we'll, we'll kill you at high noon or whatever he says. And then it's like, oh, well, no, we're busy. We're robbing the, the bank or something. And yeah, it's like, like okay. what am I doing tomorrow? Yeah, we're like, yeah. free on Tuesday or whatever he says. I can't remember. But, you know, it's like, you know, fun little exchanges. So they have a they have a bit of cheeky fun with him. I mean, there's a plot hole here too. They ended up by they end up by he ends up by getting arrested at the end of all of this, whereas previously in the timeline that they had created, he kills Doc, and that, I mean that's the whole reason why they go back in the third movie is to stop him from killing Doc. Yeah. Um. But they have changed all of that. That that is one issue I've had. You know, like I mean, and again, we're just having fun, so know, it's all yeah, good. Yeah. But it's like you know they're talking about they're talking about like any interact anything can change and have massive consequences on the future events yeah. they go back a hundred years um, and they spent quite a bit of time I mean they spent like a week there and, yeah. and Doc's been there for ages yeah he's been there for eight months he says pretty much like, it's like everything he did yeah. and you know we're familiar with chaos theory and yeah. stuff like that so much stuff would have changed like yeah. dramatically and just minor details yeah. here and there would have just been yeah. thrown out the window and you know what I reckon if this movie was released as it is you know <laughs> people would today, pick it apart people would pick it apart but I think because of where we hadn't really had that level of yeah. critique until now, yeah, like you can get away with it. We're just having fun. Just having fun. <laughs> um, but again, one final note about Thomas F. Wilson. Again, yeah. I just want to gloat and say <laughs> I met the man. I saw him. You know, do. I can't uh, believe that. Saw him on stage with uh, with um, Christopher Lloyd as well. But um, yeah, met him. As, but yeah, just the nicest guy. Shook his hand. He told me that he it was a pleasure to meet me. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I was like, ah, oh, you're such a nice guy. No, but it was amazing. I remember when uh, me and the wife, we walked away from after mm-hmm. getting the photo with them and we were both just like, holy shit, like that was incredible to meet both of them. And um, But yeah. Was that Comic-Con or Super? Oh, it was Supernova. Oh, that's one. Supernova. Oh, I'm jealous. Uh, but I'm enough jealous. about me. Let's talk about the 1955 gang. Um, and I was going to skip over not... Uh, I, I, I was going to not talk about them, but I just want to point out that one of them is played by Billy Zane. Zane. Yep. Look, so I have, to, I have to admit, when I saw the opening credits to the first movie, I saw his name. I was yeah, like, he's like, what? Who the fuck is he? <laughs> I was like, because I, like, oh, I know who Billy Zane is, but I was like, I do not know who he is. And apparently this is, this is his... 
debut. Movie, it's his first really? movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he plays Match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's th- uh, he plays Match. Three uh, D, the cover three of us is played by Casey Samasco, and Skinhead is played by JJ Cohen, who apparently was actually uh, uh, in the running to actually play Biff, but he oh, wasn't. Right. He wasn't domineering enough to go against uh, Eric Stoltz. Yeah, right. But um, I don't know. <laughs> I guess it all changed. I guess whatever. Um, well, speaking of uh, random little cameos, there's a very young Elijah Wood um, in part two in the cafe 80s when and Marty shows them how to play that gunslinger game. Yeah, yeah that's uh, right. And yeah, and they say, oh, it doesn't have, what, do you, what does he say? You gotta use your hands. You gotta use your hands. Ridiculous. It's so good. Um, David Strickland or Mr. Strickland? Principal Strickland? Principal I don't know. Strickland? James like, Tolkien, let's just go with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so his character appears in one and two. Um, and you know he's he's just like another antagonist for Marty and to he, and he just calls evade. him a slacker. He just doesn't like slackers. Oh, George is a slacker. Marty's yeah. a slacker. You're a slacker. You know one of the things that oh, one of my favorite things about that character that you see is when Marty breaks into his office and there's a little a little scene where Marty's trying to get the almanac and he's sitting and um and Principal Strickland's sitting there as well. Yeah. And they're just kind of like little cat and mousing a little bit kind of thing, but um, sound gets stuck. Well, he's sitting there, but he's, he's sitting there drinking booze, <laughs> and you're like, oh, they like as in it uncovers a little bit. He's like, oh, obviously he's just not one hard up principle. He's also like, oh, this sucks. All yeah, this sucks. Yeah. But then yeah, then uh, Michael J. Fox's hand gets squished. As, <laughs> the as best well. moment from that that set piece is ooh la la, ooh la la. <laughs> yeah. The, the porno magazine. The porno mag. Um, and then he also appears as Marshall James Strickland in part three. Um, yeah, again. Just unrecognisable, I reckon. Did not know Put him. a moustache on the man, give him hair. Yeah. Oh, I've got no idea. Did not know it, and he's there with his, I guess, his grandkid who would be David Strickland. I don't know how the connection is there. Because he says, or is it... He, he basically, yeah. he's coaching the kid. It's either... It's either... It's either no, it'll be it'd be like a granddad or a dad or something. Yeah. But I guess that just shows that it's like this is how we pass down yeah, to the knowledge kid. of yeah. Like, this yeah. is how our family does things. But um, yeah, I didn't recognise him either. In fact, I it was only when he says the thing to the kid, and I can't remember what he says, but I turned turned to the wife and I was like, "That's the bloody principal." <laughs> so um, it's nuts, man. It's fantastic. The better disguised than Superman, like <laughs> crazy. Um, now the final character I want to talk about is. Is random. Now, did you know this? I don't even know who Flea is. <laughs> so he is an Australian American guitarist. Okay, and he is a founding member of Red Hot Chili Peppers. What the hell? Yeah. All right. I don't yeah. know my, um, you know, my rock history as as well as I probably should. Um, but okay, so that's Flea. Flea. So Flea's in uh, part two and three, playing yeah. the character of Needles. Now we have the 2015 version of him, and then we have the 1985 version of him. Yeah. And he's got funny teeth. He's not a character in the first movie. He's not a character that's no. mentioned or addressed. Mm. But you know, Biff is essentially the bully, equiv- like the bully character for George McFly yeah. when he's in high school and then when he's an adult. Yeah. Flea, I guess, and his gang is Marty's bully antagonist. Yeah, um, yeah. in his present day, he's so Marty's Biff. Basically. He's Marty's Biff, even though Biff is Marty's Biff. Biff as well, yeah. Yeah, let's get can't saying Biff, that's fun. So, and I guess Flea's character is introduced to, again, to time with the whole Marty's plotline of the trigger word chicken yeah. and the, the race that he ends up participating in, which causes him to be in an accident. Yeah. 
leads him down to ruin his life in some way. Yeah. And he's also in the future and he dares him to mess with take some it, money. Take a deal. Take yeah, a deal. Yeah, take a deal like and he ends up getting fired. So, But I just thought it was bonkers because I'm just like, where did this character come from? You know, you, you sit down, you watch all three movies and you're watching the second one. You're just like, even, um, you know, even Jennifer's like... Needles. Oh, like she knows who he is, yeah. but we're just like, who the hell's that? <laughs> like, yeah. Do we miss? Do we miss that character? Like, where are you? it would have been cool again, I guess, if all three were made at the same time. Introduce Needles in the first yeah. movie, and then so. have like some through line there. But yeah. all good. But it's still fine. More um, to the fact that two and three were made together, and they were setting things up into four three. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so we got through the, I guess, all the characters, and I guess some fun things on the way. That was three movies with the characters. The biggest thing in this movie. Yep. The most yep. amazing thing in this movie. I know what you're going to say. I can see it here written in front of me, and I absolutely agree. Alan Silvestri's score, so good and so recognizable, and everything about it is great. Alan Silvestri. In fact, I was listening to it all day today. He has a way of doing not just a, a good score. Mm. Right, which has emotions to it, has mm. beats of energy and fun, mm. but just to make it so iconic, recognizable, yeah. and just sound amazing. He oh. just has that ability and he does it here. Back to the Future's score is one of the greatest scores of all time. The <laughs> greatest <laughs> movies, yeah, like one of the greatest movie scores. Like, and it's you know, it's not. You know, there's there's amazing pieces of music out there. Oh, of course, movies, there is. But definitely. this is one of the most up there with like Star Wars, Wars and yeah. I don't know all the John Williams, <laughs> like, yeah. John but, Williams, occasional Zimmer, yeah, in those kind of things. But it, it's it's up there. Like if I was to do a top ten of movie scores, it'd be in the top five. <laughs> okay, well, I was going to say if I was to do a top five, it would be in the top five for sure. Yeah, I figured. I was like, no, it deserves it deserves to be. Yeah. So I don't know if it'd be number one, but it's it's up there. Yeah, it's incredible. So it's not just the score that's great. Oh, by the way, before we move on to some of the other things that I know that we're going to talk about, um, you notice with the West with, with part three, he changes the score to for so it's played by a harmonica. Okay, <laughs> like as, well, they, as, they, as they're introducing um, the the town. And it's like panning through, and you're seeing all the different shops and stuff. Yeah, it's it, the theme is played on a harmonica. It's just slower, isn't it? Yeah. It's slower, and it, yeah, it's not. Really just, I mean, really that's cool. that's the Back to the Future like score, like the like the melody. Okay. But I mean, the third the third movie, I mean, he pretty much just go like does with it, and yeah. then, then it's like here's the new score. Yeah. It's like I'm not sure how much he changes up with the second one, but yeah, he has that western flavor on it. Yeah, but it still feels like it's of one piece. Yeah, it's just like here's the here's the Western special oh, of our of our score. It gives me goosebumps, like because he because the score and the theme, like it has a cl- it has a climax, and generally they're showing it like when something action packed is coming, is when that score is reaching its crescendo, and every time it's like it's like whether or not Marty's racing towards the electric <laughs> cable or the trains thing to the to I feel the like, I just thought, you know how every like you know they say they say the words back to the future many times throughout this trilogy yeah. I just feel like every time someone says back to the future it should just go oh gosh all right moving away from score I mean that it's good it's good I can't, I can't even, talk about yeah, it more than that. <laughs> we could just keep going but I, I have think, to I have to admit I literally on Spotify today when I was at work I was just had it playing in the background the whole day yeah can just on just on just on repeat yeah. the first movie in particular that has 
actually use songs. Yeah. Um, the the second and third movie don't really do that. The third movie has yeah, an end does. credits song. I believe unless there's another one that I missed. No, no, it does have an end credits song. We'll talk about that in a second. Let's talk about movie one. You've got the power of love. Yeah. No, I already I already voiced my opinion of how that song is a well apparently it's it's got an important part in your life that's it's it a milestone it is. Yeah. it's it it's, oh, it's I, in the wedding video which i haven't showed anyone yet but it's <laughs> <laughs> i think it's fantastic by the way as well not just the fact that you had it at your wedding but, but also, it's a catchy song it is a catchy song i believe was that so that power of love was written for this movie both the power of love and back in time were written for and of course featured back in, in time isn't as catchy it's not as, as memorable as yeah well back in time i think works more on a commercial level as like a, a marketing tool as well it's like mm. yeah back in time time travel and yeah. it still hits those vibes of yeah. when i hear back in time i'm like back to the future it's yeah yeah i mean it's there like, it's definitely there. most but, a lot of the trailers have you know back in time playing yeah. but it's not like power of love there's something about but it's weird because like power of love it's, it's no, it has nothing to do with the movie it's not about time travel. It's not about, but I guess it addresses, it addresses the power of love. I, I guess, guess so. Which I guess Marty uses to succeed in his event. I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I, mean, I need, neither do I. But I mean, I it sounds good. Talking. It is a good song, <laughs> and I mean, it won an Academy Award, didn't it? Or got nominated for Academy Award or something like that. No, so. I can't remember. It won something. Probably a BAFTA. Yeah. <laughs> probably <laughs> a won a Saturn Award of something. Won one of those probably. Golden Globes or whatever. <laughs> one of those make believe awards. <laughs> Uh, it was nominated for an Academy Award. I want to point so. out the Mr. Sandman song, though, by the Four Aces. Yeah. Um, it. I think it's just the perfect song for the fifties. Yeah. It just. It just like you know that. Um, what a, what a, what's it the barbershop type? Well, is that the style of of music? Guess so. You yeah. could. No, no. I mean, I'm not super familiar with the time and genre, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. so, so I'm not a leading a leading uh, expert it, on this. But so. it sounds it sounds right. It sounds of the time. It sounds good. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound bad. And they play it again when he when Marty goes back to '55 in the Sacra movie again. So it's sort of like it's like his entrance song. It's the Hill Valley 1955 song. Well, I mean, that's if you're going to look at it at time and place. Yeah, that's kind of re- pretty much it. So it's not. I mean. I don't really have anything to say on it because it's not really a standout thing to me. So it's like I just I enjoy it. I enjoy it. That's fine. That's fine. Good out. What What else have we got? Um, well, we have the we have the enchantment under the sea, dance at the end of the first movie. You do, um, and we have we have Marvin Barry and the Starlighters performing. Now these are characters. These are fictional characters. Uh, Marvin Barry played by um, Harry Waters, Junior. Yeah. Um, so there are songs that they play in this movie. Yes. Um, they also include Marty McFly performing them as well. Um, those performances or singing Mark Campbell is the one. Performing. Yes, I so did, not I did, Michael I did, J. Fox. I did read that in the uh, in the notes as well. Yeah. So Harry Waters Jr. plays Marvin Berry, and Mark Campbell plays Marty McFly. I guess um, Earth <laughs> Angel, which I think is mm-hmm. is just the song of it's the song of the dance. Earth Angel. Come on, man. Get, sing with me. No, not at all. Let's do it. Um, and it's... Uh, you yeah. will be mine. No, it's a Johnny B. Good is, is the song. <laughs> Johnny B. Good. It's just the one that stands out to me. Um, which is what My Name of Fly plays. Um, mm. um, and we... Although I was reading somewhere, and I, I don't, we don't have it in the notes or not, but apparently um, Michael J. Fox is doing the wrong chord progression during that song. But Do you know what? Why? Because it's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, still. Anyway, anyway. Because he's not actually. 
but I do, playing the song. I do, I do like that. Um, the uh, the little nod, like the phone call to cousin Chuck or brother yeah. Chuck, whoever it is, to say, oh, "What's that new sound that you wanted to hear? Here's yeah. that new sound." And then, so that's it. So Chuck Berry. Um, if you do a little Google search on him and find out, you know, he's a big name. Um, he's dubbed as the father of rock and roll. Apparently. Like lots of and I guess I don't know. Maybe a little bit problematic. It's like I guess his influence, um, you know, as a as a black musician, mm. it's like he got his inspiration or, or ideas off a of white dude, off of, of a yeah, off a of white dude, off a white dude who's tearing up some school dance. Yeah, so. so if you, I guess, that, I guess that. it's all it's all full circle because I guess you know. Marty would have got his influence. Eh, it doesn't matter. Anyways, yes. there, there you go. <laughs> but so, it's a gag. I mean, it's funny. There's other a lot of racist that. things that appear in these this trilogy, but I don't want to talk about them. That's so. fine. It's all good. Um, <laughs> now, so um, I alluded to it a little bit before. I don't have the notes in front of me. I can't find them at the moment. But in the third, in part three, it's ZZ Top. Yeah. They, they wrote a song for it as well. Um, and ZZ Top perform at the carnival. Oh, I, I, the yeah, they do. I read that their guitars really around and stuff. So, but their song, so the credit song for that movie was a ZZ Top song, right? Um, and I can't remember the name of it. I can't find it in front of me. So yeah, so each all three movies kind of all had their own music and stuff going on. But um, yeah. is it a weird thing to say that I don't like the end credits for part three? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I just I don't know. I just felt really I don't know underwhelming and then strange. I think it just would have been better if it was like they either just played the. Alan Silvestri's score or well, if they had played Power of Love again but I don't know well I have to admit I just had it, I just had the credits playing as soon as I finished watching it just so I could hear the score because <laughs> I knew the score was going to happen at yeah. the end of it so um, alright let's talk oh, one of our favourite things we like talking about yeah um, special effects special effects um, Industrial Light and Magic ILM indeed um, the guys yeah. the ones let's pinpoint where we are in time so 1985 we are before the Terminator 2 where yep. before Jurassic Park all of these big ones but nothing was stopped in them a few of the um, well let's talk about some of the the main part one is pretty light on special effects I mean they're still there mm. but it, it's not it's not like revolutionary yeah um, lightning and time machine light sparks they're all hand drawn by animation supervisor Wes Takahashi I thought that was uh, interesting little it is bit of information part two is really where this movie yeah goes out and goes hey special effects and as we spoke about the awards earlier on yeah. it all reflects that mm-hmm. um, this movie part 2 was considered one of the most brown, groundbreaking projects for ILM yep. so I guess and I, you know if you f- keep following where ILM were heading you know mm. from Star Wars to this yeah. to Terminator yep. to Jurassic Park to you know <laughs> Mm. They got it done. Mm. So obviously we've got the flying cars, holographic displays, yeah. floating hoverboards, and even like having cloned actors. Yes. Like, uh, multiple actors in the same thing. Oh, it's so brilliant what they did. As so well. many yeah. techniques. And obviously they use a combination. They didn't just rely... They, you know, they couldn't just say, hey, CGI, done. Yeah. Like it, was, yeah. it was before. I mean, there's still, there is still CGI in this, but it's not anywhere near... I mean, it's no. it's the shark. It's it's yeah. George it's it's Jaws nineteen. Yeah, that's the shark, and maybe a little bit of um, and even though they say it's not as much, but the um, the DeLorean, sorry, uh, flying through the air, it's a little bit, a little bit of that, but a lot of that was practical models and stuff. Yeah, all, and there's lots of splicing and, and yeah. uh, photographic imagery. It's that's something I wanted to. So there's a there's a pro, um, process called Vista Glide um, and split screening and stuff, and that's where they managed to capture 
multiple people, like multiple the same actor in the multiple screens and multiple mm. shots. There's one, um, so there's four scenes that the Vista Glide system has worked. Um, and so, and, and the most complex of these was the dinner sequence in number in part two, where Michael J. Fox is there in three different characters. And so yeah. they had to split the screen into three different ones and have the actor share the, share the screen with people who aren't there and then react. Just brilliant stuff. Um, there is a moment, and I, and I actually noticed it when, when I was watching it, and I was like, geez, that's tricky, and I can see how they've, they've done it. Generally, they will use a hard border of something as well, so they can get one actor interacting with the same character. Mm. Um, and generally, it was it's a it's a vertical line. You see it in the car when Biff is talking to himself, because um, there's two different sides, yeah. and you've got the the split in the middle of the windscreen, and it's brilliant. But the time where you can actually notice it the most is when Doc is actually talking to himself, but trying to hide his face. And he passes beyond a um a light pole. Yeah, yeah. The, the wrench, it's so clever. It's so brilliant. You oh, done heaps of tricks like that to make it happen. Um, yeah. But even that scene with with the two biffs in the car and you know, hands in the almanac. Yeah. And it's like um, uh, you've got old man Biff holding it, mm-hmm. but the almanac's actually on a rod and mm-hmm. it's being like basically slid over. Yeah. So then the motion can continue and they can film an alternate shot yeah. with young Biff. Taking the taking the thing off, and him. it's yeah. yeah, it's nuts. There's a similar th- a shot in in part three where um, Seamus passes Marty a plate, yeah, and it's like that's Michael J. Fox handing himself an, an object, and it's a similar <laughs> technique used. It's just like it's just mad. Heaps of combination of things. Obviously, we mentioned the computer generated imagery, practical shots, miniatures, puppeteering, uh, robot stop frame animation, which yeah, you know, you point out the Vista Glide motion control camera yeah. system. And of course, just split screen, just simple old fashioned split screen. There's also um, there's a huge height height difference between um, uh, Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox as well. So they also did uh, perspective shooting similar to what they did. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just so they don't look weird. Yeah, and also <laughs> they developed um, uh, Christopher Lloyd's character to have a bit of a hunch as well. So generally speaking, when they're interacting, their the height differential isn't, isn't <laughs> as bad. But I mean, that's all just practical little camera tricks and yeah. stuff like that that they do. Very creative. Very very cool. Um, in part three, um, you know, besides all the effects that they had already developed for part two, but film scanning and digital compositing to compositing, sorry, mm. to put shots together, much like they do today. So it's like the Back to the Future journey for special effects and ILM. Mm. Like they just got to the point where it's like, yeah, we're good, <laughs> yeah. very good. And there's a lot more. There's heaps of there's heaps of you know there's hoverboard use. There's um, you know. What's oh, the name? hoverboard Clara stuff and uh, the dock, you know, like floating in the sky. Like there's yeah. heaps of things going on. There's Marty talking to Seamus. There's oh, heaps. And it's so all, all like yeah, it's all before 1990. Mm. It's incredible. And then they scrap all that, and ju- and then they just say, "Hey, we're just gonna we're just gonna put this miniature train off this cliff, and you know, just make fireworks." But that's great though. That's good. And it, <laughs> and it blows up. It's it's good because it looks good. It looks real. It does. It does. And that's all it takes. Um, I think we're done. I think we're done. I think, I think we're done with the movie. I think I think it might be my time. So, so it, we're going to have to move into our quiz time. I, I think. think that's the next step. I'm bloody exhausted after all of that. <laughs> well, let's do the but, set. Let's wrap this up but, real quick. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not aware already, uh, we like to wrap up our um, our little reviews with a, a, 
bit of a bit of a quiz. Um, it's 10, 10 uh, questions in sixty seconds is what we usually do. It is my turn to ask ten questions of Jason. Mm. Um, so I've got mine prepared here. I'm just gonna hide them from you as you are sitting across from me and you don't get to cheat. All right. And how are you looking with the time? You're good to go. Well, this is heavy. All right. We're ready to start. Three, two, one. What country are the terrorists from who kill Doc? Libya. Yes. What name does Marty adopt in 1955? Uh, Calvin Klein. Yes, he does. What colour is Marty's guitar at school dance? Oh, the school dance. Uh, red? Yep, red is red. <laughs> <laughs> um, what flavour milk does George order at the diner? Chocolate. Yes, he does. Um, what machine makes the DeLorean time travel? What's the special component? Oh, the uh, Mr. Fusion? No. Oh, uh, first, uh, plutonium? No. What, oh, the right. flux capacitor! Yes, yes. Oh. Now, question six. What um, Jaws number was advertised? 19. In oh, God. What number can be seen in the sky after the DeLorean struck the lightning? Uh, 66 or 99? 99. I'm taking that. What, what, <laughs> what does Biff always end up crashing into? Manure. Yes. Um, and what does Doc and Clara name the kids? Uh, Jules Verne. Jules yep. Verne. And what brand of um, shoe? Uh, Nike. Placing? Yes, there you go. Great Scott! Oh, oh my God! God! <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, on episode 50, Jason has <laughs> just got the very, very first 10 out of 10. Oh. Well done, just in time. So you are giving me the 99. I'll give you the 99, because right, cool. that was a bloody good one. Are we good? So, I was like, it was either 66 or 99. It was. It's, <laughs> well, it might as well be the same thing. So, well done. That's, I, that's I incredible. Oh. You definitely know that trilogy. You definitely know it. That was, that was insane. <laughs> <laughs> very, very, very good. You got oh. stuck on the flux capacitor, though. I just didn't understand the question, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. What, is, what makes it fly? What it, like, oh, yeah, flux capacitor. Time travel. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I was, I, I was thinking more like, what's the fuel? <laughs> like, that's why I was like... Are we talking Mr. Fusion? Are we talking yeah. plutonium? Are we? My original question was going to be, what do they use for the fuel? But I was like, no. What's the I was thinking, thing? I was thinking you were going to go like deep with the questions. I was like, no, you're no, going to no, be no. like, what is Jennifer's no, no. phone number? And I was going to say five 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 four eight two three. Is it? <laughs> it is. Oh, for some reason, I read it and I was like, I can remember that. I bet Rob's going to ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I was trying to be not easy, but not super hard. Whoa. Whoa. Well done. All right, let's get into our ratings. Okay, so what we're going to do is um, we're going to rate part one, part two, part three. Okay. Out of five, as we always do. Yep. Um, shall we do part one first? Yeah, go on. Each? All right. Um, screw it. Lightning in a bottle, as they say. I agree. I mean, on I mean, on a surf on the surface level, it's not a perfect movie, and you know. I mean, look at Michael J. Fox's hand when he's starting to fade mm. away. That's horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, like, there, yeah, there's some logical issues, but from the start to finish of the first Back to the Future movie, it is perfect. Wonderful characters, yeah. um, amazing set pieces, fun energy, laughs. Um, stakes. Oh, the stakes, like, the intense moments, they're still fun. Mm. You know, like, the, there's the lightning bolt thing. Like, with a movie about a character with a time machine... They managed to somehow work out a way to make time an issue, <laughs> and it's like if that's not amazing screenwriting, yeah. what is? Um, so for me, part one, or just Back to the Future, as we as it's called, five out of five. Yeah, of course. So my take, um, it is like like you said, it, it's, it's an amazing joyride, and it is 
the the lining in the bottle concept. It is such a beautiful creative idea that's just come out of nowhere. Um, and I I mean I can't fault it either to be honest. If I'm being, being honest, it's it is it is a perfect movie, especially for its time. All the, the characters, the chemistry they've got together, the pacing, the like you said, the tension. Even though they have the ability to, to stop this, like the the way that they tie it all together, and the, and like I said, it, I interrupted you a little bit there. I said the stakes. We forgot to mention before. Doc dies at the start of that movie. Yeah, and part of part of the movie is is Marty wanting to say you've got to protect yourself, mm. but not deciding not to do it. Then trying to do it, and then it gets his letter gets torn up in front of him, and then he basically. He thinks that it's all done and dusted, and then he gets back to his original time, and you see Doc get shot again, and then it turns out that he has actually yeah. broken his own rules, and it's just the the journey is the tension's there. Like I said, um, you take that first movie. There's a there's a beginning, middle, and end yeah. in just that first movie, and you can take it as a whole. And it could wrap done. Done. And and so for me, for for number one, five as well. Five definitely. Five. All right. For part two, for me, like, and I mentioned this before, growing up, like, I was like. This movie's amazing. Like part two is 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 fun. It's bigger. It's darker. There's so much more going on. There's all that future stuff. You know, like they're going all all out. Mm. Special effects, like they're they're going for it. Watching it again, I mean, it, it's it's still pretty good, but it's it's messy. Mm. It is darker, and maybe maybe it goes a bit too dark. But I think you know what? Screw it. Yeah. There needs to be a reason that they need to go back again, yeah. and they're just having fun once again. Yeah. Um, I'd still rate this pretty high. Um, I'm going for a four out of five yeah, okay. for part two. I so part two because it's a it's a tonal shift. We said at the top each each of these three movies is different, so. The shift in theme from the first, that's not the problem for me. The problem is that it's up and down internally. Like, it's so silly and fun with the future, and then it cuts to really dark, like a complete flip. And then it's a little bit silly because Biff is over the top as a bad guy. And it, so it's a little bit, it doesn't have its grounding as well as. Like the second movie actually yeah. has a trilogy in itself. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's 2015, all- and then. Alternate eighty five, then fifty five yeah. again. Now I do have to say, like it's not it's not a bad movie, but it is the weaker of them, and I do have to I'd have to drop it to a four as well. Can I lead with my number three now? Okay, sure. Because I'm going to connect it. I have to say, if you're going to look at number two and three together, they it eases the burden a little bit on the, the flip flop, and then changing genre as well kind of makes it actually understandable and it makes the second movie not as bad but if I'm going to go into the third movie by itself I actually definitely rate this much higher than the second I like westerns I think westerns are great Um, and I really like the idea of moving into the doc doc space and having a focus on him and his what he wants and and what he's interested in and then the way they they end so the way they end the second movie where it's a cliffhanger I get that but you actually say goodbye to Doc at the end of the th- part three, and you think that he's gone. Like as soon as that DeLorean gets hit by the train, you're like, "It's done. Doc's gone. There's no way Marty can rebuild." Yeah, like he's trapped. Is in, He's trapped in uh, 1850. And then it finishes. 1885. Yeah, it finishes <laughs> perfectly because, of course, Doc invents his own time machine again and just yeah. does it. And you, and you, what a what a perfect way to finish a trilogy. So to me, that and I can't actually find a fault with 
that movie because I actually like Biff, I like the Western. There's a little element with the third movie that I, I didn't point out before, but there's so much attention to detail. When Clara is talking to Doc in, in his little workshop, she leaves the door open just a little bit, and there's in the background you can see the clock tower being built, mm-hmm. and there's extras that are walking past. But when I say that she leaves the door open, it's literally not even a foot open. Like it could even be an accident not to close it. But they've purposefully put people outside interacting, crossing over, all in character, everything all the way at the front. And that's in the far, far background. Just so but there's that The attention value. to detail was just brilliant. I love it. So, anyway, it is the th- number three to me is. I, I'll say it's a five as well. Wow, you're going wow. I, I was, no, I adore it. I adore it. Wow, I adore it. Okay, I guess, I guess, a, um, I guess, full disclosure. So westerns aren't really my thing. <laughs> um, as much as I enjoy, you know, Red Dead Redemption and you know, riding on a horse and yeah. you know, Woody from Toy Story is my favourite. You know, <laughs> I always love that little guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, westerns aren't my thing, and I think for the longest time. Maybe that was part of the reason why I didn't really ever really enjoy part three mm. that much. Now, this most recent viewing, I think it changed a little bit. Okay. I, I found myself enjoying it, and maybe it was because I watched them all in such close proximity to one another mm. in that time frame. They link it a bit better. And I was really seeing the connection between two and three and like the overlap there. So, mm. I, you know, in my mind, I was like, you know, it is. Like you said, if you were to rate two and three together, as one piece, you know, like, I still probably wouldn't give it a five, but it, you know, it's up there. It's it's taking number one and pretty much like, hey, let's make this. This is this epic follow up. We just need to split it because it's really big. Mm. That's what they've had to do. Yeah. And you know, like I said, part two already had three different, you know, feels to it. Three different uh, timepieces and mm. genres essentially. Uh, that the that part three is is pretty much the. What's it say? The third act, but the fourth act of, yeah. of this, of the sequels, yeah. I guess. Um, so I did. I don't know. I, I I found myself enjoying it more than I remember having enjoyed it. But I I don't know. A little part of me is just you know it's still Western. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It, it it um yeah. There's there's just things happening, and as much as I enjoy you know the the new. The cowboy Biff, let's call him, because I've already forgotten his name. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's things happening, but and it is, I don't know, it serves as a wrap-up. But I don't know. I, I think when I just look at the first movie and how amazing it is, mm. to then compare it to the third act, like the third part, I'm just like, it's not as good <laughs> as that. Um, yeah. Although, so yeah, again, still better than what I remember. I'm going to give it a 3.5 out of 5. Wow, it's a lot lower than I thought you would be. So, but I understand it because it's not your genre. The genre immediately yeah. is, a, is a sticking point, right? So, um, but, but usually genre wouldn't, you know, like there can be genres I, I dislike and the movie can be amazing. I'm like, oh shit, there it is. Mm. Um, I had fun with it. I enjoy it. I'd still, and happily will watch all three movies back to back again or one at a time or whatever, however I do mm. it and will, you know, still enjoy the third movie. It's just, I just for me, I just find it's the weakest of... Okay. And maybe it's because I can't listen. I don't know. <laughs> I think number two is the weakest. If I, I have to say... That's before, what the critics before, saying. That's before, what Ron Tomato's saying. Absolutely. <laughs> can't debate that. Um, I will say, just before we wrap this episode, though, I have to say, this is actually, in its entirety, my favourite trilogy of like of all movies. What about Lord of the Rings? There's faults there. There's not... I mean, it's still... 
I mean, that'd be my second. What about the Godfather the... trilogy? Nah, nah, not even. Um, I mean, they're they're great, but they're not they're not my type of movies. The Matrix. Nah. So Matrix also had its faults. Hunger Games with its fourth movie. <laughs> Twilight with its. To, to me, to me, to me, it would, to me, to me, top top three top three trilogies. It would trilogy, it'd be. Oh, there's so many though. <laughs> top top three would be. Top three would be this comes first. Lord of the Rings will come close second, and then maybe to be honest. Say Jurassic Park and Pirates, the original Pirates before the other ones. Mm. So, Dark Knight trilogy that's pretty good. No, because I didn't like number three. But anyway, (laughs) it's always number three. This is to me, to me, to me, it's a perfect trilogy. It can be watched sequentially. You could watch it all as a marathon, and it would be perfect. Look, I, I agree. I mean, perfect is hard, but I mean, as a trilogy, I mean, pretty consistent. Even though I have my feelings about three, like there's a consistent tone, Mm. and, and it works as one. Whole, like we've said it, we've said it multiple times. It works as one. Yeah. You know, you take Jurassic Park, and it's like, yeah, number three is is awful. Yeah. Um, even you know, I can take the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies, and it's like number three. I think I hate that movie more yeah. every time I watch it, even though I loved it when it first came out. Yeah. I was an idiot, but it's like I'm looking around for more inspiration of trilogies. Uh, oh, the Star Wars trilogy, the original Star Wars trilogy. I mean, that's. I mean, it's got its weak points with it, Return it of the Jedi. It's got some good points, but for me, <laughs> anyway, for me, to me, this is. And the music, I think, does a big part to it as well. It ties it all in, in. I think for me, the the, the statement I can make is back to the, the Back to the Future trilogy is up there with the Star Wars original trilogy. Yeah. And I think if people who love the Star Wars trilogy, they know what I mean. They yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. Well, there you go. The Cowboys are the Ewoks. Um, so that was, <laughs> wow, that was right. our rewind to 1985, 1989, and 1990. The Back to the Future trilogy. Oh, what a journey, hey? Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you for sticking with us. Um, I've rewind and re- review. As always, remind you that any feedback, either positive or negative, or any rewind requests can be sent to us via email at thatfilmstreetpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on either That Film Street or Rewind and Review's Facebook pages. Like and follow these pages whilst you're at it. Subscribe and leave us a review on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts as it does help others like yourself find the podcast. You can find our entire catalogue of episodes on that Film Stew's website. Indeed, you Check can. Check it out, thatfilmstewpodcast.com. Yes. Um, so coming soon from That Film Stew, a review of The Wrong Missy and also Scoob with an apostrophe. Um, Sounds Like Comics um, have a recent episode looking at Bloodshot and our next episode here on Rewind and Review will be Ghostbusters um, from 1984. Yeah, we were going to... I mean, we are going to do it for the, the new movie. That Alas. movie's been released. And we were like, no, screw it. We're doing it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, mate, 50 episodes. 50 episodes. 50 more? Yeah, I'll do 50. I'll see you 50, raise right. 50. See you at 100. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening. This has been the 50th. 50th. Rewind and review. See you on our next trip. See ya. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library. Now why don't you make like a tree and get out of here?
It's leave, you idiot. Make like a tree and leave. You sound like a damn fool when you say it wrong. All right, then.